Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your host, Madison, here with the third episode of the Branching Tree Podcast, where we invite people on to talk about their lives a little bit and anything that pretty much interests them. Um, I have a good friend here. His name is Aaron. He's coming on live with me. I've known him for some time. Very smart cat. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. Um, so what's going on, Aaron? Introduce yourself. Hey, man, how are you? It's been a long time since we did, I think, like a little podcasty bit together. Yeah, yeah, we did a, a podcast a long time ago. And uh, not that long ago. Who knows ago? the name of what that was? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing it. it was good conversations. I always have good conversations. With you yeah, it was really interesting at the time. Yeah, it was cool. Um, anyways, man, so uh, what have you been up to lately, man? Where are you where are you just lately, man? Cultural, philosophical? I mean, what's been on your mind lately? Oh, gosh, you know, there is uh, an entire like just mishmash. I don't know, bro. My brain has been mishmash. I've been kind of uh, I've been kind of alienated from society a little bit for for reasons. But uh, dude, you know, I tell I understand, man. I'm a, I'm a bit of a hermit myself, so I understand. Yes, I have always kind of I always kind of like draw on that weird archetype of the hermit who like collects weird things and stuff. And yeah, yeah, dude, exactly. And like I just I just research stuff like all all day, like economics, politics, philosophy whatever it is i'm always just yeah same i was i was hanging out with a couple of guys in town i hadn't i hadn't had someone just like out of the blue like asked me to hang out just to get my like take on things and stuff it was a couple of like local guys that i had known and it was just a really it was a really good conversation because it was basically in accordance with how i feel about things one of the dudes it doesn't mean we don't t- touch on specificities specificities but the guy one of the guys was greek and one of the guys was uh he was Polish and we just had a, it was a nice little like continuum of, uh, of, of, you know, accordance and tradition overlapping cities and circles, you know, things like that. Yeah, that's cool, man. So he's like the, the Greek guy, actually, I wanted to ask since Greek yeah. has been, Greece has been just part of this whole kind of austerity measure that they yes. try to put a place on them and stuff like that. What was his opinion about that? What was his view? Uh, we, we didn't, he, so he's in, he's uh, immersed in the kind of like uh local greco you know local greek culture in in my area and uh he we didn't we didn't talk about um like greece itself i i speak a little bit of greek and he he does too and we kind of just talked about you know uh like the european nationalistic continuum things like that how you know I consider both of those guys to be in the same continuum and we have the same traditions and kind of uh, feel oh, so similarly cool, about the world. That's why, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind right of on, stuff. right on. We just sat around. It had been a while. It had been a while since I just like, frankly, just burned one down with a couple of weirdos and just exchanged <laughs> ideas. So yeah, that's like some of the best times of my life have been like that, man. The best times. The yeah, best times. I remember back in high school, I, I, I had a friend. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I in... in keeping with that idea it, i think it does anyway i was like i was like so you know uh what does america mean to you what who does it stand for and the guy had a great answer he was just like oh sandlot <laughs> which i thought was a great response i was like all right dig man dig i can i can dig that world that is a sandlot. very american movie for sure sandlot yeah. nationalism yeah i'm with it i'm with it i live that i live that life i live that rural like you know i was born in 86 i lived in that i lived a rural still live a kind of rural life alienated a 
little bit. But I lived a rural life, you know, doing the thing that was depicted in those movies very much so before the advent of cell phones and this Kaczynski. And yeah, yeah and right. I, this... we, we rode around on bikes and did the thing. It was just as wholesome as could be. Yeah. That's interesting, man, because I actually lived in the inverse because I grew up in a very – it was a very rich town. My father had some um, restaurants in New York City, so we had a – you know, some money for a while before he lost yeah. everything, but that's a whole nother story. But uh, I lived in a town where like everything had to be a play date. So like you couldn't just go what? like you, you had to have a play date. So like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, like you had to set up an appointed time because these oh, were yes. like kids that were yeah. going to become like lawyers and doctors. And I mean, yeah. my family, we were like the outcasts. We were like the pariahs almost. Of the, of the yeah, yeah, we were these, these yeah. mothers were like on psychology today you know magazine and stuff you know this kind of crowd <laughs> very liberal very new yorker liberal style and yeah, uh yeah. It, it was it was actually kind of it was kind of good in a way because i got to explore and i just did my own thing so i kind of just learned to like explore and just take my own take on things in life yeah and sure. uh are you i so, gotta say you're not an only child though are you no, I'm the middle child. Total middle child syndrome here. That's 100. Okay, I'm an only child, so like, but you have oh, that wow. really, you have that really inward looking stuff. That's kind of like me. That's I, I wasn't sure. I yeah, man. Was. The thing is, is like I just didn't have any parental supervision. Like my parents never helped me with homework. They never asked me like, what do you want to be when you grow up and stuff like that. That was like, you know, not even part of the, the thing, you know, but um not that they were neglectful like 100 percent or something like that i mean there's plenty yeah. that they did for us but like it just wasn't like that it wasn't a lot of uh closeness you know i should say yeah i never had a really great vision for the future you know i spent a long time um this is probably not unknown to you but there was a long period where i like many other people were on was like definitely had an opiate um problem and uh i spent a long time kind of uh like that frankly um glad to be most for the most part away i t i do take something that helps me kind of you know subutex if nobody's heard of it it's just like i'm just saying like that that is sure, something, that sure. helps me. something i aspire to get off i'm on a very low amount i've been clean for two years just to get that congratulations out of the way. But congratulations thank you thank you just to get that little bit of crap out of the way but um i forgot where we were going with it. oh like vision. so i never really had a great um, vision of like the, the future always seemed like a vague black cloud to me. Um, mm. And so once I got kind of off opiates, uh, I, w I had a little bit more clarity of thought and was kind of um, aggrieved about all that stuff, you know, but you know, yeah. we do what we can to get back to where we want to be. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I actually went from a path because like I had done mushrooms uh, when I was 17 and it really had yeah. a great groundbreaking breakthrough experience. And like you said, like you're hanging out with those friends that uh, you can just burn one down and just speak about what you think. I was like part of a circle of friends that were all yeah. counterculture. We love this. I had, I had you know. that thing. I had that thing going on too. So it was like, my way of describing it and like what it was when I was in like more heavy into tripping and that stuff in my early, late teens, early twenties, I, you know, probably like every once in a while, get a good little fungal thing going on, but I just tend not to anymore. Like we're talking about, but what my mentality was, was when, you know, before, before uh, the global, I don't want to be too whatever, but the globalistic economizing and like kind of things of like you. So essentially what I'm getting at is like when, when acid was properly like LSD 
and it was uh, before there was actually a run of like the DO compounds. I don't know if you remember that stuff. That that was no, kind of never heard nasty. of that. It was it was uh, DOB, DOC, DOM. They were uh, oh, phenethylamines, I think. I and uh, anyway, the, the point was that there used to be proper what what I am convinced was actual LSD. But the the point is is that 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 what what was interesting about those days is from going from that stuff i remember like the names of the drugs let's say stayed the same but the actual substance has changed which sure. is kind of interesting you know um but i feel like when i was hanging around during those days like pre-internet pre like the you know confusion of tongues blah 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 stuff and words that it was and i had repeated this a couple times what it it was like the last glimmer of like this like 60s like like the fucking i'm sorry like the uh the tail of the of the hail bop comet or something like the, the 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 gleam off the tail of like the shine of the 60s like was if i feel like a feeling that was still in the air and in some people's minds true there was i really feel like the 90s were like a really crazy weird time especially after yes. the aftermath of the 80s and there was like you know grunge rock and then you had like weird cartoons like ren and stimpy yeah and like all types of strange like the simpsons was coming out that was groundbreaking south park uh, you came know out i was i was beholden to and very influenced by a precarious little child uh, named calvin um oh yeah calvin and hobbs now that kid that calvin and hobbs really spoke to my like kind of only child like um, precocious kind of uh, mindset and I yeah I took I, I endlessly read those books as a kid that, I you That's know so not the obvious like not the not the idea of like peeing on number three Dale Earnhardt like uh, <laughs> obviously Calvin but like you know the precocious kid in his little That's tiger. interesting because the last person I had on a podcast the last podcast I just did which was like a day yesterday or the day before um, yeah. loved Calvin and Hobbes too and that came up in the conversation that's so strange Oh, that's that cool, man. It's a great comic strip. I mean, I was more into like the far side when I was younger. Yep. I had I, that. I read those parallel with them. I had all oh, my nice. dad's old far side books, the little like horizontal little books. And in fact, there were some, this was like, like the Calvin and Hobbes stuff was my mind, but the, that was my dad's. But he also had um, these old books that were, they looked exactly like the far side books. They were called Sniglets. I don't know if you ever remember this, but it was basically yeah. a guy making up words for things that didn't have really words like the um i can't even remember any good ones but they were they were funny it was just like little things that didn't have words funny little almost like right. little situations like when you do this it's called it yeah that was a good one i like that but yeah calvin oh, okay, and hobbs cool. was i would say calvin and hobbs the far side um were both um seminal influences on my yeah i mean extraordinary humor i'm always amazed at how many They've created both of them, like the Calvin and Hobbes series and the Farside series. They're just endless. There's like thick, you know, textbooks almost of like yeah, just kind of. It's amazing yeah. some of these these yeah. creativity that poured out of them. Calvin and Hobbes was kind of uh, well, Farside was just like strange humor. Calvin and Hobbes was a more kind of um, specific like. I don't know, like, neuro yeah. I don't know what kind of people read Calvin and Hobbes, but I I got the feeling that. Um, Bill Watterson was kind of um, a Kaczynskian type. Like he hated society and any, any dealings with it and, and, and behaved that way about his, he was very bitter about like, and I, I understand why about like the way that Calvin's image was turned into like peeing on things. I think that was the most grotesque. Yeah. Simulacra. 
Yeah, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things come out of your hand, you know, once you put it out there, you never know where it's going to turn and whether people are going to use it for and yeah, especially with the internet and the the birth of meme culture in general. I mean, you just never know, right? Well, yeah, memes, memes are interesting and have, you know, you could think about how you want. I I was going to ask you, okay, so like, because going back to what you said about the tail end of Haley's comment kind of thing with the, the LSD yeah. there, like I feel like I look at my life in sort of like eras or ep- like e- epochs, like little periods of sure. time where like they had a distinct feeling and like culture was a certain the way. Meaning, yes. People, yeah, and like I I was born everything. I was born 1990, so I'm a little bit younger than you, but I graduated in 2008, and I remember that time period like that period of high school where like the internet was still decentralized you know it was like yes. youtube yes. was kind I of was gaining talking, prominence but i was talking to my friends about this last night go on continue yeah 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 so like i just find it interesting like like i remember it was a lot more decentralized i used to go on new grounds and ebomb yeah. world and like these these yeah. websites that were just so like weird and different but they're kind of like through word of mouth you found out about yeah new and Grouch now yeah. and now it feels like everybody including me I, I go to mainly youtube and i use google for many things i use DuckDuckGo because it's like non-traced sure, yeah. or whatever for a while but the results weren't as good so i went back to google but still and like i feel like as soon as like social media moved on from myspace to facebook that's when things yeah. started like started tearing sh- the fuck apart yeah yeah slowly but surely not at first media started taking not over no, yeah I not at talking, first I had for a, sure i had a conversation about this last night too specifically we, we were on the same bit last night and uh yeah at first facebook kind of actually did optimize social oh so yeah i was one of the first people to be on there because i look back to like my earliest post was like 2006 2007 so yeah. like I was on there pretty early and it well, it did fix a lot of the things that were problematic with MySpace. Like sometimes you would go on a girl's page or something and it was just like loading and a song would be playing and you can't oh, yeah. exit out of the window. At the end of like it, that. It, 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 that was the end of MySpace when it became an insufferable entity, when it was like, you could put your own yeah. music. Yeah, it was just it. too much and it was too like chaotic and like people yeah. were and just it wasn't it was well like, organized um, you know what it you know? was like actually if you remember <coughs> this it's like a remnant of uh like do you remember like the geo cities angel fire tribe oh my like, gosh like that's from <laughs> way back dude bringing it back bro <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember x page where you can make your own like basic web page yes and like i i made my own like a whole bunch of them but like yeah i did yeah. start to like get into like low level programming there was something before like before facebook hit it was called like the en scene entertainment news before they had centralized it and there was a bunch of huh. just basically neat people that had made certain kinds of websites and all this stuff but yeah gotcha it was all decentralized and i think um yeah certain people like identify with certain epochs and aesthetics and i certainly like that whole i'm sure this is like what you're saying like the whole like kazaa like LimeWire. Oh yeah, LimeWire. No man, that was Even, a like, whole. Got into thing. like tour later, many years later. That kind yeah. Of activity. That yeah, and then you heard about like the dark web, but like you had to really be on the fringe, like to know about the pirate you bay. Yes, you had to. You had to be smart to get on the dark web, and there were genuinely things that you you see on there, and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Oh my god, there's a lot of terrible stuff. I mean, yeah. it's amazing how all this stuff existed so long ago, but it was so fringe, you know. And yes. most things were like word of mouth because it wasn't so well known. It wasn't so available, you know. Yes. And so if you were kind of a, 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 if you kind of you were half clever, you could get access to these systems that 
that half wits didn't have i'm not trying you know what i'm saying like people who yeah have, i'm becoming a half wit with technology as you saw me trying to join this call but like uh you know if you were if you were clever to certain things you could get you could get get away with like just pirating more a little bit and stuff like sure that. sure i mean i used to pirate back in the day a bit but like i don't really mess with it anymore because they've become more stringent on things and things are kind of sketchy with like the pirate bay and stuff like that they're always switching yeah. server relays and i'm like yeah you this know. stuff is getting nuts i i actually like i'll get like these i'm on i'll put like a nice proxy to like berlin on or something right and then like i i'll remember to do that if i'm downloading something particularly recent right otherwise i'll get like copyright strikes i remember one of the funniest ones i ever got was the what was it, it was like the waco tv show that had one of the culkin kids in it and like i i was just i watched it and which had one of the most punk rock moments ever in the world i'd ever seen where i guess it was dramatized a little bit but where they were like the the feds were like psyoping them outside with like horns and stuff and all this <laughs> and like trying to keep them awake and drive them nuts and they were like no they're like playing a, a, re, a rock and roll concert in uh in in rebellion to try and stay awake and not go mad and then I had watched that series and then I received one of these copyright strike emails and then I just felt like the guy from falling down. You know, I just like, I mean, just like, I just with those broken glasses, like I'm pissed off. Like, really? You, you're going to do like a piracy thing after watching I, the Waco show? I, mean, I just, know. it's so, it's so silly. Obviously I mean, I got, irony. yeah, I mean, like I had never even realized that they were striking people at a certain point when I tried to do it at one point and then I got a copyright strike. I was staying at my friend's place and I was like, oh, sorry, bro. I had no idea. Like, they were even like looking at this stuff anymore so i was like yeah, yeah, yeah. I get these, like if you don't stop we're gonna sue you shit i'm like yeah really yeah for me permit ask me like pinching yeah episode of uh slug show or whatever the fuck it is Snail i think show, the, I know, what, what they told Japanese us korean show was that they were just gonna shut off your internet and you can't get it again you're basically banned and like if you understand a little bit about internet i used to sell internet on fucking HughesNet. i don't know if you ever know what that is but it's like satellite no. internet i used to sell it at a phone call center it's the worst internet ever Was created. that like net zero or something i mean <laughs> it's that almost that bad almost because the speed <laughs> the the ping is like 500 ms so Dude, like that's half a day, second for a brief period of time kmart had a, like a little internet service called blue light remember kmart they had like oh my a, god a little, it was just in that whole period when you were still getting like AOL CDs. And oh like man, that. AOL CDs. God, how many? How many AOL CDs are in the ocean right now? Just around. I don't know. There was there was a guy. <laughs> yeah, there was a guy that used to collect them in this like cynical way and tie them to strings. And I, everyone used to send their copies to this guy. And it was just like a big joke. And he, and he put it in his dump truck. And eventually, once he got a dump truck full, he loaded it and like in this big publicity stunt to like the dump and dumped them all somewhere. It was like right. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, dude, that reminds me when you say dumped, like the remember the ET game for Atari twenty six hundred. That so I didn't have Atari, but that game, which I never played it, but it was infamously known as being the worst game. Of it's all just time. the and worst I, game, I, and they dumped like three million cartridges because they just couldn't sell them. And oh yes, so I see somewhere. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. That was Maybe part of this. That was I see why you bring that up. Yeah, yeah, it's a legendary. Like, gosh, 
they were like, dude, this is gonna be a smash hit. And like, I, I, dude, I heard like the programmer had like four or six weeks by himself to make the game or something. I don't remember really, but anyways. What did you start off on, like, uh, in like video game wise, like, pl- like, um, so yeah, <clears throat> when I was younger, and I don't have like vivid memories of it, but we had the original Nintendo, so the NES. Yeah, me too. And me too. we had, you know, Mario, we had Zelda, we had like a lot, yep. like the golden yep. Zelda thing. It was cool. Yep. Um, but Yo, the one yeah. thing, when, when I started really having memories, though, because 1990, I was born, so I was about four or five when the Sega Genesis was in my house. And that was when I really, I never had a Super Nintendo, but I had a Sega Genesis and I would play Mortal Kombat all the time. Oh, yeah. So that was like spinball. a revolutionary. Uh, oh, spinball my was one of my favorites, bro. Dude, I love Spinball. I did not have a memory. Sega. Yeah. I did not have a Sega, but my every time I had a, I went to a friend's house that had a Sega, I was like, dog, you got spinball. God. I love that game. I played that yeah, game Mortal, like out of my mind playing that game. Mortal <laughs> it's so Kombat hard. Was, Mortal, yes, it was. Mortal Kombat was great. And, Dude, uh, like, uh, revolutionary, I feel. Yes, like, yes. It was so cool. It was so dark. Like, you I just... Went, yeah. Yes, I remember I remember going to my one of my cousin's house, one of my many cousins' houses, and uh playing Mortal Kombat on Sega and being like, This is it. I yeah. know. I saw oh, and I man. saw I remember seeing the the movie in the theater too. I made my dad like come see that movie, which I still loved it, you know. It was great. It was oh great yeah. Oh yeah, dude. And, and it was like I you know Mortal Kombat, oh. sorry. Mortal Kombat, I remember that was like paradigmatic in a way that I feel like my some of my earliest memories were switched online by playing. You just played playing. Dude, it's true. Games. It's true. Like I said, yeah. like it's like when I was like four or five, it was like when I it hit. And then when I started maturing from that, Mortal Kombat 2 was my favorite. Still to this day is my favorite. And uh Reptile is always my dog. Yeah. Reptile Mortal is my Kombat shit. 2, I think Mortal Kombat 2 is cool. I actually like three, and there was one that was like called like three extended or something i there used to be a physical arcade of it and there were a lot of extra characters three was when it started kind of like all right this is getting big but two had the best like kind of like the the best violence if you will and yeah i like the maps the aesthetic and the music and like oh man and like i don't like later mortal kombats where they made reptile actually look like a reptile i just like the scorpion sub-zero reptile which is like all just looking dope like ninjas it was so the cool Lin, the lin quay or lin quay crew or whatever it was called yeah i went as sub-zero for halloween one year for oh sure. that was my brother's favorite yeah that's yeah and then uh, i moved on to the n64 i still remember that being i think unless it was xbox my best christmas i ever yes. had was getting the n64 and i got a gold controller with it too i was like oh it was it was packaged in it and i yes. had golden eye played golden eye oh, yeah. shit ton Oh and, yeah, that was another one that was like that, right? Goldeneye was like everyone oh. was like, everyone agrees this game is the best. Like, that yeah, was... man. But I was always so jealous because my friend always had the PlayStation and the PlayStation Two. So I went from N sixty four to Xbox. He went PlayStation to PlayStation Two, and you get all the RPGs. You got Final Fantasy. All these really great storyline driven yeah. games were on PlayStation. I never had that. I made that jump. I I had N sixty four, and then like. I dabbled in GameCube. I was like, eh. And then, like, all of my friends had PS2s. And, like, once Grand Theft Auto 3 hit, I was like, shit. And everybody was playing that. Oh, know, man. Like, Grand Theft Auto 3, memories, bro. I played yeah, so much of that. Yeah. That was, like, sitting around, like, eat, eating, like, shitty microwave burritos and stuffing them with Cheez-Its and smoking <laughs> playing, like, Grand Theft Auto 3. Like, that was some of the best days of my life. I, oh, yeah, just, you know real. what I mean? I hate to – not the best uh, – just the best of times, childhood you know, crap. 
crap, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like, you know what? I, I shit on video games because I still play them a fair amount, but like not yeah. nearly as much as I used to. But like, I just feel kind of like, like not like I was when I was younger playing games, right? They, they used oh, to yeah. absorb me way more, but now I'm like kind of yeah. just a, 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 ca- a filthy casual. And, <laughs> but like, I always kind of like shit on video games a little bit. Cause like, I'm like, it just doesn't interest me. It's not as good as it used to be. But like, I owe so much to video games because they were so formative. They were like my, if like, you know, back in the day, there's film buffs, you know, kids that are like young people yeah. that really love movies. Yeah. Video games was like my foray and then music would be probably second uh on that when i was yeah i've i've always been partial to all that stuff as you know and like i remember at one point like it was like i had to make this decision um mentally where it was like the like ah ps4 was out in call of duty 4 had been released the first for the first time and i was like this is badass but i remember having this moment where i was like my friends were into this and this this stuff and i could see like the beginnings of people's like um I don't know what you want to call it, like Wally, like like professional gaming stairs, thousand yard stair, like dopamine ruin. Oh uh, but yeah. When like, uh, Call of Duty Four came out, and I had it for a while, and I was like, "This is fun," and I played it, and then I was like, I was able to make this conscious decision of like, if I don't stop playing this, like I'm gonna and, and doing something more interesting and creative, I'm gonna like be stuck like playing this and not having fun Yo, so that is so I, true good for you I, bro I, I sold it i sold it and ended up learning to play guitar instead you know so. yeah man awesome man that's a great idea because i i did get a little bit of an addiction to starcraft 2 in my mid-20s but oh, yeah. at the same time i was i was uh singing a lot too at the same time so i kind of counterbalanced it couple hours a day i would sing and then i would play a lot of video games too but yeah dude, let me the take dopamine, my, let me, yeah let me take the sweater off real quick and just put my headphones back on one second yeah 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 but what i wanted to say was uh, all right sorry continue yeah no doubt it's uh the dopamine stare and like the addiction quality of video games it's so true and i, I realize there's a lot of cynicism and jadedness among like older players that i play with sometimes and like you know, it's not. Well, you, yeah, you hear about this like kind of stuff with. I don't know if you heard about this, but Ch- China does every once in a while something funny, and they were like, um, they. And I think this is sane. This is something a sane state does. They're like, we are limiting your, you guys, you kids, you gamers who have that. Base, I'm paraphrasing here. That have that dopamine stare. You have that rot. That that brain rot. Uh, we're limiting your t- timing game time to like three hours a day or some shit. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can. No, I heard about that. this. There's certain no, kinds like, of authority where I'm like, all right, human nature has been so perverted that like we do need some kind of strong system. See, in, this in my is opinion, like the whole like, battle, you know, right? Because like when you live in a land of excess or excess is encouraged and like you yes. can just have, you have the freedom. Freedom isn't always free. And to define right. freedom is interesting because <laughs> I, I listened to a whole TED talk about this. It and costs like folks like you and me. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> and then you wind up getting lost a lot of times because- a lot of times we desire structure, whether we realize it or not. And yes. a lot of times, like I watched this TED talk explaining from the business perspective of like how you market certain products and stuff like that. Yes. When you go to a store, you don't want a hundred different deodorants that you can choose from. You want like two or three that you can choose. So this between. is like, this is what people will describe as the tyranny of choice, when mm. I, which I agree to. It wasn't always like that. And it's like kind of, uh, yeah. Um, 
I used to, when I would think about this stuff, actually one of my p favorite kind of um, authors was David Foster Wallace. Now I, I understand infinite justice is very long and not everyone gets through it, but the point is, is like that was a guy who I am convinced, and I've talked to other, a lot of other people, I could just sit around and watch his interviews because they're so enlightening, I felt like that understood one of the thing, one of the ways that society was being torn apart. Like when you, if you, if you watch again, I'm not, not sure if you're familiar, but if you endeavor to ever watch like his, um, his videos and interviews are very good. Like he embodied a kind of anxiety about the future. And that I think was um, uh, messianic almost in a way. Like he, he wrote Infinite Jest because of like, I think, my understanding is like some idea about this, like um, kind of ex excess bourgeois boredom. And I'm not trying to be like a Marxian guy saying no, that, that me no, that's meaningful no. somewhat, right? Yeah. Like the ex he's like, there was, it was, he was in these ivory tower, like, um, you know, kind of situations. And he was like, my friends were killing themselves. And it just became clear to me that something was going on. And, and that just spoke to me enough and here, having heard enough that I was just like, yeah, this guy has some kind of insight into the future. I'm convinced. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, like that's a Western problem that we have and that um, even in influences like places like Japan that have, you know, globalized and have moved with the capitalist movement that the West was kind of creating at the time. And yeah. like suicide is a very high rate of suicide in capitalist, you know, modern cultures yeah. and there's a lot of loss of meaning too. And like the loss of religion is one aspect to it, yes. which used to give people meaning before. Yes. And that was sort of like turn of the century with Nietzsche and yeah. Freud and the whole explosion mm -hmm. in psychological um, deviations yeah. about understanding about life and stuff like that. Yeah, but, I feel uh, like my, my, one of the beginnings of my existence was embodying the last, the last man. <laughs> Yeah. of that of like the 20th century the last man of the 20th century and even if like even if like in a francis fukuyama way you know like right. this is the last western man i'm like i must uphold this imagery and it's not just <laughs> i must because i believe in it you know sure sure no i feel it but uh i was thinking like i feel like it's good the, the future is more leading more towards like a brave new world rather than 1984 or maybe some sure. sort of mixture of it but like yeah. it's almost like all your pleasures are kind of given to you there's, there's even a black mirror black mirror is pretty good at nailing those kind of oh, subject man, matter yeah. i do i love that show yeah. it's freaking amazing oh yeah but uh basically the future of like you know, just every whim, every desire is satisfied, but is that what constitutes? Is that happy? You know, is that what is fulfilling? It, yeah. Is that what fulfilling is? Yeah, I have had a lot of, um, right. So like I have, I do theorizing with people a lot, you know, sometimes. And it's like, I was just like, when I was hanging out with some guys last night, it was like, we all had to like consciously be like, not, it was implicitly understood. It's like, we're all going to put our stupid cell phones down for a little bit and talk because we miss human interaction, I felt like. And it was like, you know, between these like really interesting beats of human interaction, we had like 7,000 messages on our phones, you know, but we went back and did that later, but it was just like, we all did our best to be like human beings in a, in a little circle and sit around and like not be on our phones, you know, it was like, yeah. Yeah, like, was, I find like, that I find that to be like the best times of my life. I realize more and more because I do live like quite like a hermit, quite isolated, and most yes. of my conversations yes. are through texts online. Yeah, and uh -huh. I don't. And I've been talking to people more. Like I call my sister more. We talk to each other more. I'm doing the podcast yeah. with you. I just did a podcast with uh, my friend Andy uh, the other day, mm -hmm. and like yeah. I'm like, wow, this is like really refreshing because like it's a different dynamic. It's not always like you like the hyper individualism that mm -hmm. 
the society has created around us. Like it's all about your dream. It's all about your passion. It's all about yeah. you, 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 you. It's so centered, centered have on you, you. Have you seen Century of the Self by Adam Curtis? No. I would highly recommend in that for anyone that's interested in like, how did this happen? Like just throwing that mm. in there. Like if you want to have a good, um, like under like a really truly good like understanding of how this like kind of it based on like popular pop psychological movements and stuff that mm. were popular like and you know like that people will now complain about the everyone gets a trophy mentality but like it it kind of tracks the trajectory of how this in fact happened it's very good just just true because i, I feel like there's a lot of Highly logical it's a film or a documentary or it's a like documentary a... called it's a, actually a documentary series um, called Century of Self. He has another one called Hypernormalization, which is very good and intuitively you're like, huh? Oh, okay. That sounds like it accurate nice. somehow, even without having seen it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. All right, Century I actually of saw Self. I saw it and then I saw like Kanye West, whose music I do like, and it was like he was like recommending it after I watched it. I was like, oh shit. Dude. There's something here. There's things Kanye has said that have been more impactful than most things that I've heard from celebrities ever. And oh I'm like, yeah, dude. I I'm like, wow. I'm like, the guy. Like he gets such a bad rap and the media portrays him as like this crazy ass dude, but like he's, his mind state is really just, he cuts through a lot of the fat and he gets to like, yeah, no, he's, he, I don't think it's, yes. I don't think it's inaccurate to say that the guy has some, has some kind of genius. And and I remember like when I was hanging out in art circles and then uh, dark twisted fantasy came out and, uh, I could not get like I was kind of dealing with the oh like Kanye's crazy blah like I didn't care about that but I was like that did color my perception a bit and I remember Dark Twisted Fantasy came out and it sampled that King Crimson song uh, 21st Century Schizoid Man for, uh, for yeah. obvious reasons and I was annoyed I was like uh, I can't accept this bastardization and then that album became one of my favorite albums of all time I was like yeah no this is a cool song. cool the only album I had was his first one which is College Dropout and I used to listen to that quite a bit. But like it was a lot oh, different than it. his later stuff for sure. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, he's an incredible beat maker too. Like just music oh, musically, yeah. dude. I love his his beats, his, his rhythms. It's like, oh yep. man, some of them are awesome. Yes, he is um, a profound uh, kind of producer musician guy for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But did you do you ever get big into rap at all? Because that's like I what I grew up I on. Got- I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say that I got big into it, but there were certain ones that I truly enjoyed, like Outcast was always one of my favorite artists. Oh yeah, for sure. Truly enjoyed Outcast, and I thought that was like this is like a this is like one of the best um, rap R and B whatever musical ventures of its time. Yeah, no, they were so talented and so unique. They were very much their own thing, and like, it was refreshing to see, like, kind of like Ludacris. Or something like this, you know, someone who just is distinctly their own thing or DMX, you know, it was just like, there's yeah. no one like this, you know? Yeah. I really appreciate the original. I mean, you know, I like Mr. Bungle and all that kind of stuff. So oh like, yeah. That was one of the things that we definitely kind of like bonded on is that I love that. Always love that secret chiefs three, like Mr. Bungle. Yeah. Secret chiefs three is great too. Yeah. yeah no, Mr. it's Bungle and that California album was genius. Yeah. Oh yeah. California was amazing. I still think about like the last song on that album is called Goodbye Sober Day. And it's just like the perfect send off. I mean, they did re- reunite recently actually to redo one of their demo tapes. And uh, it's like all thrash metal with, and they got Scott Ian from Anthrax to play on it and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. And that, Dave that, Lombardo. That, that retro Vertigo song always, like I know it's like one of their big pop like formulations, but I was like, that song is- Yeah, really I sang that so many times. I sang that so many times. Yeah. Yes, me too. Uh, great song. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, Mike Patton, man. That's that's probably like my number one influence. I'm trying to think. I used I, from when I was younger, I was into rap and then I got into Linkin Park. Linkin Park was like my first yeah. step into rock, period. And then it was System of a Down. And I heard that song yeah. Sugar and on a Newgrounds video. And I was like, man, this song is the oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> like, and yeah, then uh, I, System of a Down is go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I was about to say, and then I moved on to Slipknot. No, no, no. What was it? Yeah, Slipknot. And that's something that like is very divisive for people. But like I was obsessed with Slipknot for a long time. And then Primus. And then once I got into Primus, I picked up the bass guitar for the first time. I just started jamming on that shit. That's what got me into music in the first place. And then I branched out. I basically looked at who influenced Primus and who did they say? And they were like, king crimson so i listened to king yeah, crimson oh, and then yes. the whole prog rock phase of my that, life now, opened that was up. really big and influ- one of the most influential things was for me was uh the prog rock stuff um, yes it was huge when i was in high school it was like all, all i listened to almost so my i would consider um i have like a trinity musical trinity that are, is my favorite it's um mars volta uh the beatles and um bach wow that's an interesting collection yeah those are my favorite like they were they've always just kind of been my favorite musical sounds but like mars volta has has like stood out as like a powerful creative force to me and has has like just it's just great francis the mute mecca amputexture all that stuff yeah that's a good modern choice or amputexture rather yeah no and uh system of a down was part of that trajectory you have a similar creative trajectory as my own yeah i remember the whole like i kind of liked corn when i was in sixth grade oh yeah kind of like that band and then like there were kids who liked slipknot and then you know i saw yeah and some of us convened around system of a down which is i, I got yeah. to see the it's basically the new a- the new metal explosion right that happened at well that system time. of a down was a little it was like what i would call um an air of legitimacy in the new metal expl- they they were like the most legitimate like create creative not like her her dirt kind of new metal stuff in my right, like you know you have dude and i know uh, this is divisive too limp biscuit right like a lot <laughs> of their music is crap i just i just have to say that but yo a couple of their songs just one of their bigger tracks you know well, everyone liked that that cover the one they hit the scene with that cover of the george michael song or whatever faith or whatever it was yeah faith faith is sick dude i still yeah. play that shit when i get when oh, i get blazed and i play that and I'm just like ah man yeah no that that, that one will back. still bring me back oh yeah yeah yeah, sure. yeah 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 so for it's sure, kind of like it's like a cheesy guilty pleasure but like it's just so good in its own way because it was just more aggressive yeah. and it was like it was a time when music was so experimental in the mainstream like primus was big in the 90s and you had all these weird bands in the 90s coming out like um you had a lot yeah, of alternative runs the 90s 90s were sick dude the 90s were yes absolutely and that was the end of i think one of the ways of discussing that like one of the things we said earlier or i said earlier was like talking about the the you know the last little flicker of the hailbot comment and like that i feel like the 90s kind of was that that was like one of the last times that people were truly happy in my mind dude it was crazy i mean it was so lawless i mean it was all about pushing boundaries right because it was like that, it was like yeah. this moment where everybody was doing subject matter that like just would never have passed in the past at all, you know, it's breaking yeah. all this ground. And then I'm trying to think of like, what, what could I pinpoint like a year as I think 
for me, it would probably have to be when rap started going away from like the hardcore Wu-Tang Clan kind of thing and started migrating to like Lil Wayne and like all this kind of rap. And I really started hating that. So yeah, that was like, that stuff was like, uh, just like low, low cognitive. Yeah, like low hanging fruit. Like, Like, yes, exactly. That's a good way to, I mean, if you compare stuff like that to like Kanye, it's a world of difference. Of course, of course. I think 50 I think 50 cent was the one like I really love that album that he made but that was like the last period I remember before it really started transforming now you got Drake and you got all these kind of I don't really dig Drake or I don't really dig most of these new rappers most most of the I will say yeah I understand this kind of um trajectory of decline ironically if you will uh that that like occurred and I feel like uh you know, I saw a really, this is, might seem insane, but I saw a really funny um, post about like this critique, which has been one of mine forever. And I know others as well is the, let's, let's say the degradation of quality and aesthetics and uh, the cartoons that were around that were, you know, like the Looney Tunes stuff that had a lot of feeling in it. Mm. Um, like I remember when the Lion King came out, I was like, "This movie still has it, but it's losing it." I remember thinking that when I saw that movie, I was like, "This is it has it, but it's losing it." And every everyone, everything started to become like Pixar squared off around the edges. Nothing mm. looked is quite as meaningful and interesting and full of feeling. And I saw this critique that <laughs> somebody and I never know what's real anymore in the world or on the internet when I see is like, "What is this weird reflection of things I've thought <laughs> before?" But they were like, they were like people who make this complaint are fascists this is a this is a fascist critique of the degradation of quality and then i was just like this is such a this is such a stupid (laughs) conversation but i was also like i read it and i just did the like turn my head to the side i was like yes (laughs) (laughs) i was was like that's fine sometimes people are trolling too and i just can't tell sometimes it's it's tough yeah i i mean more verse but yeah one of my friends uh he said he he was like you said something one time and i really I, it stuck with me and he and you said he said that I had said I was like you know buddy uh parody isn't even funny anymore you know like I remember at some point like the onion started producing it was marginally funny for a while but it started producing low-hanging fruit that wasn't funny yeah every once in a while the Babylon Bee has enough wit to kind of bring something together that's actually kind of funny but a lot of it is what I can just again put like into the class of uh, petite bourgeois sneering and like the uh, the the stuff that's coming out is just more or less like sneering at the differences of other people and what freaks me out is like the this like more and more mundane things being caught under microscope not even like yes really- dude that was I was following your train of thought that's exactly what I was thinking and I you know there uh, not to cut you off but like there is like this train of be, of like pattern like Jerry Seinfeld right like you're talking about stand comedians was like the first to be like observational yeah. humor and like arguably if you look at a lot of stand up comedians a lot of comedy it's all about recognizing the small little things that are going on around you right so then yeah. the, the, then for some it becomes a hyper fixation and then it's like it, there's too many things to complain about if you really dig under the surface too much you know what i mean yeah it's yeah. almost like you're looking for a problem rather than well, it yeah, being I just saw, a natural I saw occurrence. A girl, I saw a girl who had um, made a post on, on you know, for why are you on Facebook? But like had made a, um, a post about um, 
she's like a bartender kind of creative type who's you know kept in touch with me for whatever reason not made me a total pariah the, the people I, I treasure and uh she was like between all the shit that's happening going on I can't stand it anymore I can't stand it and like 150 people liked it and I was like yeah I feel you and I actually deleted like the icon on my Facebook and every once in a while if I want to get to the website I kind of reverted back to that but yeah like the worry of you know how much can I actually pull my brain away from this stuff I am able to like walk away from my cell phone and like do stuff but it seems that like the the true like the symbiosis that is like occurring is like um I, it's unwanted right. on my part it's unwanted I mean, on that's my what part. i'm saying like so you're like you're saying that you want to move out to the appalachian area and i'm like dude do it yeah. because i more and more feel the exact same ways like i feel like absorbed and like i used to look at my um my mom and my and my and her boyfriend and they would watch the news like all the time cnn mm. and fox and all this stuff and they were always absorbed like what's going on in the world oh this is happening there's and fox news is always like there's a war on poverty there's a war on this there's a war on that so it always engages yeah. you into like and i always watch my mom get sucked into this stuff and i watch her boyfriend and like i was always just kind of into my own thing completely separated from that you call but it like engaging like, consciousness or something yeah, and I feel like I'm becoming more globally aware. I used to be more self-aware, kind of like, where am I going? What am I thinking about? And where, yeah. you know, I cared about all the things that were going on in the world, but I wasn't like actively staying in touch with these realities on a constant basis. And I think that social media has been refined to such an extent that it's almost unavoidable. And in fact, that it's seeping into everybody around you. So like, it's like, you can't, help but hear about trump this or you know biden that or whatever it's like yeah. even people that where you go to work are talking about this stuff it's like you can't escape and like that's what worries me because the internet used to be something that didn't involve that you know yeah like, it people was weren't truly like a, yeah it was truly like a kind of explorative thing exactly it was decentralized it wasn't like everyone was hinging on the same sort of mainstays like twitter instagram facebook like the, the trifecta really and yeah. like and now everybody it seems to be connected to this thing and it's it's with the meme culture and on facebook with your wall that just it's memes and political ideas and all this stuff and then people latch on to like these mainstream bullshit concepts and then like it almost like triggers me in a way you know what i mean like oh yeah I'm, re I'm yeah. reacting to things that I, I don't want in my life. And I'm like, I got to I got to put a stop. Yeah. To this. Yeah. Yeah. I want to find a better way of conducting myself that involves like not being as plugged in if I can't the best I can, which is like sounds like scary and desperate to say. And I guess it kind of is. But like sure. it, does seem, it does seem like people are um, unable to unable unable to tear themselves away from you know things and screens it's and addictive stuff. i mean they've already you know discussed and you know different people have come out talking about how facebook is designed to give you dopamine hits so yeah it trains I, so the, your brain to social to, dilemma was about this right and i in fact started watching it and got so anxious that i had to turn it off which is really a cat was a cowardly moment for me where i was just like i was having a bit of a moment anyway but i was just like I'm like, this is hitting levels of paranoia that I can't, I can't cope with. Oh yeah. And, well, uh, like I, 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 yeah. I mean, look how intelligent we are. Okay. I'm not saying we're the most intelligent people in the world or whatever. Sure. Okay. But imagine like people who have thoughtless. the power. Yeah. But like, yeah. <laughs> but imagine like you had the power over these companies and you were the one leading and directing the, the, the vision of a company or something like that. They're constantly yes. scheming. You know what I mean? Like, 
the, the idea that like people think conspiracy theorists are crazy and rubbing like, intensifies <laughs> yeah like <laughs> con- conspiring is part of life literally because people yes. conspire to make more money or to expand their business how do we get more people yeah. you know people are conspiring all the time and it doesn't have to be like the semantically baggage word it's yeah. just it's there and they're gonna make the products if they know and understand the psychology of it. So then you get into social engineering. So you engineer society, like we were talking about this, I think a while, was it you or, yeah, we, we must've talked about something like this. But like, I always think back to like MK Ultra, just that, yeah. just the fact that MK Ultra is a, is a known thing or Co-Intel yes. Pro yes. and like, just like the, the understanding of psychology and how to manipulate minds and how to create a system that slowly envelops people. And like that entrainment, understanding just how dopamine works and how that gives us a desire to return to something. It's just manipulated and exploited. And who is to say what, like, you know, we're all about freedom, right? Going back to freedom now, why don't they have the freedom to, if they know about this and they want to use this kind of you know, technology, it's kind of social engineering, they should have the freedom yeah. to do so. But then what does well, the it, point of responsibility kind of, come into the frame? You right. I mean? It kind of reminds me about some like conceptions of free will, of course, and like um, in neurology and neuropsych and stuff, you know, there's some pretty, try to remember who or whatever, but like, you know, just one of the questions of free will is it, it's because like, you know, because of neurology, uh, do you have free will? And like, that was one of the big like bulwarks of no that I had, I had remembered always seeing. And I'm like, yeah, that seems more or less um, reasonable to me. I can think of like certain little deterministic like things that existed in my life because of my neurology. And, and, mm. and you know, I definitely know that that's a thing that happens now, you know, like you're just sheer mental, chemical, like getting back into um, Brave New World type stuff. Uh, it's, right. just way, it's just the way things are. And, and Huxley definitely had a vision that was accurate. It's like the it's like the the oppression of this, you know, oppression of choice, oppression of dopamine, oppression of you know the self or something. I don't know. Right, yeah. satisfying desires in a sense. And there was soma, which is something we don't have. Maybe cannabis. There maybe. was literally a, a muscle relaxant called soma, but yeah. So <laughs> I would I would so audacity. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, right. And uh, which is very funny. Yeah. So like the closest to Soma is like maybe like social media and the dopamine it provides us and the kind of but the the degradation of art and everything is just like so it's just a, just saying like there's not really very much good art coming out anymore. It's all very to say derivative is uh is a, you, you know, know I, it's, it's it's a tough thing for me to say that because I think there's a lot of great music these days. It's just not mainstream, right? The mainstream, oh yeah, it's also what brings me back to another topic I want to bring up too. Um, but like, you know, Deviant Art, you're familiar with the website? Um, it's like a Facebook yeah, for artists. Sure. And I'm like, dude. I remember, like, yeah. Like I used to think like, oh man, I really want to be big with my music, right? And I'm sure you had that feeling too at one point. Yeah, Maybe you still sure. do, I don't know. But like, yeah. and, and like, you just realize how saturated everything is now. Now, if you have a computer and a few pieces of equipment, you can produce music now. It's not like you had to choose a dedicated path. So I'm like looking at, it's almost redundant because there's so much good art, like, but there's, it's almost redundant because it's like, 
there's so there's yes, so many good talking. artists like with talent but like how do you differentiate yourself really and you find this yeah. almost a redundancy like you know you're like a snowflake right and I, I'm not yeah. relating this to the Republican idea of snowflakes whatsoever, but it's like, you know, sure. we're all special, but, you know, we're all different, but we're all the same at the same time. Yeah, so. it's funny the way these little semantic shifts happen with these words. You see, like, part of meme culture, like, take it on, and then and then there's, like, a, it's almost, it's almost Hegelian, where, the, you know, so the other end will take on that term and notion, and then there's, like, a synthesis between the two. But now the right. synthesis is... The synthesis seems to be of no essential nature, except that people are consuming maybe both sides, but not yeah. looking at things. And you know what I think is becoming ever more powerful? Instead of things standing on its own merit, it's all about who is putting, leveraging money, marketing, time, power behind people. If someone decides, I want to make you big, they could probably make you big just because they have what it takes to take you there. Right. Like how many people can yeah. sing like Adele? You know what I mean? And if they oh, sure. just had the money, the time uh, and a group of musicians that were professionals and could really work with her, like this woman, why couldn't some other yeah. woman be just like Adele selling millions of copies? Right. So then it's sure. like it becomes diluted in the sense that like it's it, you match an image. So they'll like if you have a certain image, like I would argue that um, Billie Eilish is someone who has a certain image. And sure. that image is like something they feel they could market. So if you're yes. marketable, now that's what is going to make it. So and this is like the, the commodification of personalities. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And basically marketing, like even being a punk, right? You can, yeah. they, they market to punks. It used like, to be look, a genuine, uh, so yeah. arguably, that, that, this conversation has come up multiple times with me recently too. So like, by the time that I had engaged in like what was called third wave punk at the time and was already kind of seen as like by the older heads as like a poser thing. And I will, I will, I will admit some of that, but there was actually still some genuinely good stuff like Operation Ivy and for me and like ranted and, and all right. kinds of, I, I liked that Kennedy's. I don't like Jello Biafra these days as much, but you know, who didn't like holiday in Cambodia? Who didn't like no effects, the decline, you know, who did True. love that stuff. I got to see a lot of that stuff live. Is that really, you know? considered, like, is that really considered third wave? Cause I thought that it was, those mostly came out like early to mid eighties. So, so we're kind of, I'm kind of conflating second and third a little uh, Okay. Bit yeah. Must because be, of the okay. exist, my existence, but like, no effects was on the edge of two. They were basically, I consider no effects to be the axis, axial band that kind of, no effects Pennywise kind of that whole little thing was like. Uh, Would you consider Pennywise Avenged Pennywise. Sevenfold a part of that? I don't even know. Um, was that so later? That was I can't remember. That was an interesting band that started to come in on like this like kind of complicated metal train, but they were still a little bit low hanging fruit in my mind in like some kind of way, but they were actually also really good. Um, the Sounding of the Seventh Trumpet was a good album. The first album they came out with. And then by that time that second one came out with, I was like kind of like feeling a little bit simulacra about the album. I was like, eh, mm, I don't really mm. care about that one. But I loved Event Sevenfold, actually. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I did. I actually liked them when they first came out. And I was like, this is a unique you know band. What, it's good. You know what I really felt like was the downfall? It was when people, I remember being with a group of people, they were about my age. This They... I brought up Blink-182 and I was like, man, they suck. And I'm like, because I really feel Blink-182 sucks. And yeah. like, they just, for me, define pop punk. Like that yes. is just, girl, like, not girly. That's just like, not, it's not appropriate to say, but it's like just popish and just so bubble gummy almost. You know what I yes. mean? But people yes. legitimate, like Third Good Charlotte, 
good charlotte yeah. is just trash like just throw it in the trash and like that was yeah. like the new punk scene i'm like oh my god there's no hope there is no hope for this because i just felt like that was the decline officially of everything that could be punk and then you still yeah. gonna have your crust punks on at dive bars but they'll never be big again in the same sense of like dead kennedys or the misfits and you know you're going back to like these that era but uh, one thing I wanted to mention, right, and it, it kind of, yeah. it, it's really important because MTV, right, like uh-huh. there was there was a heyday of MTV, which was huge, and yes. it was a great way to expose new artists, new musicians at like a national level, because it uh-huh. was like on syndicated cable, and you know you had yeah. Headbangers Ball later on, and you had yes, all sir. these like all this these shows that were so avant-garde and counterculture, you Nirvana playing, you had Alice uh-huh. in Chains, like you name it. And like the decline of MTV, I feel was like part of what we're talking about. This generational shift it was like when all of a sudden you see Taylor Swift and you see all these kind of like marketable yes. money-making machines, yes. instead of being like quality, it was like bite-sized two minute songs and two there was minutes, no more it, fucking yeah 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 like, no still, so you had to listen to college sure. radio now to like hear a pink floyd song play for seven minutes and now it's just yeah, bite-sized so like, absorbent quick dopamine hit boom 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 yeah, and hot take hot take little things yeah and like they're not even willing to take risks anymore like they used to on musicians even if they didn't I sell love, that many albums but they used you're to you're reminding me of a frank zappa interview i don't know if you saw that one where he's talking about like the old Old guys with cigars were actually yes. a, lot more, a lot less conservative than the, these new guys coming in. Yeah, like, like these. What it is, but I'll give it a chance. Yeah, know? exactly. Like, they I, were willing to give I a risk. Get to ex- I yeah. feel like I did exist at the end of that meritocratic kind of existence before. Mm. Uh, you know, social media and stuff had turned everything into pop-sized, bite-sized bits, and I, I lived at the end of an analog world, and I made the best of it as I possibly could, and uh, made some. I feel like I engaged with some pretty good art and some pretty good people in like my late teens and mid twenties that was profound and good and meaningful. And there was a genuine like human spirit to it. Yes. Yes. I think it was more organic. I mean, yes, I kind of missed certainly. part of that because I grew up with computers from the get go, almost like as soon as I was like conscious and able to manipulate things, like as a child, seven, eight years old, I had a computer. Yeah. So I was already kind of jacked in. I mean, from the very primitive beginnings, but you know, I'm not, you know, but were you 86? You were born. So yes, I'm four, yes, I'm four years off from you. So you were always four years ahead. So my cousin, my cousin always comments on this and he's, he's a, he's probably almost maybe if not exactly your age, maybe a year older. And uh, he always comments. He's like, he's like, cousin, you grew up in such a weird time where basically what are the, it's just, you know, paraphrasing what we've been talking about, but it was like, you know, I, it was before cell phones and the internet. I mean, I have a very right. real, I have a very real memory of organic life before all this madness, which is becoming, frankly, I don't know how else to think of it than scary. Like there are yeah, times it is I'm scary. just like, I'm just like, where I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> and literally to the point where sometimes I listen to people and I'm like, how programmed are you? Like literally programmed, not yeah. just like, oh, you, you're kind of, listening to too many mainstream things like no like you are so formulaic don't that have i'm like scared it's kind of yeah, yeah. No, sure. it is zombie like yeah i also want to mention though too like because we were talking about napster and limewire because uh you know what 
that was a huge moment for music because in a bad oh, way, yeah. in a bad way, in a good way. Well, that too, was Simulacra moment, right? There were like bands coming out with like the wrong titles and everyone's like, yeah, but they were, you remember that? What, like Linkin Park? There was Park like, so and... there, there would be, yeah, there would be certain bands like No Effects or Misfits or whatever it was and it wasn't oh, actually yeah, it was People that's... would put their little local band under that name and they'd yeah. actually download it by accident be like, I like this, but, and then someone's like, and that's, that's how I, that's how I found Mr. Bungle, by the way, and I forget how I found uh, it, but. Me, I, me as well. I, I think I found it some, through some similar processes. Uh, yeah, and like, I found yes. weird stuff like a Chinese rap that was so funny and like, there was some like meme type uh, songs that were like, you know, just funny uh but um no but like just looking at napster like in a sense that shifted the whole climate because everybody could just download music for free so all of a sudden those risks that record deals you know this is i'm stating the obvious here but all that you know record producers they were willing to take less risks because the chance of you actually selling an album was like cut in half if not more because people could just download your music instead of buying your album you still there Hello? Go. Ah, okay, reunited. So we had a little technical issue. A little technical I am, difficulties. I'm be I am becoming a 35 year old boomer. I think it's like some juncture of like Linux and my Chrome needs to update. I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> I, what we were talking about uh, is uh, Lars. Oh yeah, Ulrich? basically, no, we, yeah. we hadn't mentioned him yet. But um, we were just talking about how Napster was changing the, the the scene for music and how record deals just they basically record producers were taking less and less risks because yeah they needed to find something marketable to make sure they're going to make money off of it and then there was the whole ringtone I hadn't mentioned that yet but you know ringtones were coming out and that was a source of new income and anyways oh yeah so, yeah like, yeah i remember i remember that that whole thing happening and like things you were speaking about like mtv and like that was already like by the time i was watching it there was it was already even though it still had music people were already like actually it was transitioning from that like beavis and butthead like gen x thing into like my generation which was like your generation it was like more like you know, you see the Carson Daly stuff and you see the Britney Spears video drop. Yeah. And, and then you had like, flash. yeah, like Pit My Ride, even though I did watch Pit My Ride quite a bit. It's yeah. just like, it was signaled towards like the end of, you know, what MTV used to be. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So it used to be like, uh, I, cause I always describe like Gen Xers as like the last authentic generation which is funny because there was so much ironic like nihilistic blase with those people but they did have like like i feel like there was a time when the cultural anthropological notion of this was like people like me are were on what was known as a xy axis and then it turned into just like norm like they just started calling it millennial and then zoomers and all that stuff happened but yeah but i remember like mtv you know, it was interesting and it was leaving that like Ren and Stimpy and, and like, I know that wasn't into, but still like the, like Beavis and Butthead kind of stuff, which was very funny and was still itself like lampooning music videos. And I remember, I, I remember yeah. very hilariously seeing, uh, I was watching a, an episode of Beavis and Butthead with my uncle. Women and Sisu, and he was. We were they were watching a California Raisins video, and but has just like they look like a bunch of turds. <laughs> <laughs> we all just laughed at that. I was like, yeah, this is great. Like I, I don't know, that was a great time. Speaking yeah. of Beavis and Butthead, man, do you remember? Do you remember the movie? 
the Beavis of Do uh-huh. America. Do you yeah, it was the, great. It was the, great. Yeah. Remember the psychedelic Rob scene? Animation. What you're gonna go yeah, see? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and he was... goes and he goes and meet. He go, they go and meet their like estranged parents. Like they're like they're like like weird desert wooks that are like just look kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like king you know and that was funny yeah it was a whole rob zombie that was an animation and, and a period and a, time, a kind of creativity that inhabited that ecosphere for a while that died out to yeah i mean like pop bits and stuff consumable pop bits yeah and, com- and computers in general changed the way animation basically was i mean the first episode of south park was like made uh with all you know cut out uh, cardboard not cardboard uh construction paper and yes. they did everything frame by frame painstaking and like you think about all the old disney movies like fantasia and stuff like that this oh, was yeah. just press each single frame like that is so painstaking and like arguably computers have made things way more streamlined and and easier but at the same time i feel like people are taking shortcuts with animation i don't feel so it's- yeah that's that's what i was talking about before right like it's like like the the leaving behind the times of uh the kind of like really um I forget analog it's almost like yeah. analog you could say yeah so you had to be more creative and you had to have more will so people who were it, it was truly meritocratic in that way you know so there was a there, there was a time where i think that there's no other word to call it than degeneration where, where like the, the, the decline of quality and i would say in fact that excuse me the, the decline of quality human beings that are being churned out kind of represents this decline of like quality and the way you can see uh disney and and the feeling behind that go to more and more streamlined pixar types of stuff and less creative, i mean in less... defense of pixar like i, I like some of that stuff oh yeah like toy but... story i thought was revolutionary oh toy story was revolutionary and funnily enough i i watched uh, i was watching at a point when i was living in chicago with my girlfriend at the time and uh, we were watching um toy story 3 and uh i know i'm jumping ahead here but it was uh we Dude, were toy story 3 is amazing we, we were on so it was it kind of uh it's kind of like it's people of my your generation looking back fondly and being like fuck this shit's dying but i remember watching it i was on mushrooms with my girlfriend and watching that part where they all get melted together and i was like oh no oh yeah <laughs> i i cried i i simply cried at that part because i was like i know that feeling yeah i know that feeling of like trying to hold hands and not get melted together <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I was yeah. like i you know sometimes when you're on that stuff and watching that stuff you're like is this happening to me like <laughs> yeah. at all it's like yeah i true but Story was good and i even liked uh the incredibles i thought the incredibles was kind of good see like, i'm actually i'm ass. i did not like the incredibles that that movie just could not handle it man i was like eh. oh uh, so I, it was it, it was kind of cringy but the first one i i thought it was kind of it was kind of fun and it really wasn't really that great maybe i shouldn't give it as an example of like a great pixar movie because it's not but i just kind of enjoyed it but well you ever I, seen I, um monsters inc Ah, uh, yeah. I feel like I saw more bits of it than I actually saw the movie. Okay, well, I just remember this one. Like, I'm not really gonna talk about the movie, but like the fact, and I'm pretty positive that this is confirmed that they had to animate hair by hair of the. This is like a kind of a bigger monster uh, looking guy. He's like one of the main characters. Is the John Goodman guy, or whatever. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. And uh, they had to animate every individual hair for every frame. So like they had to move individually, so it looks like it's swaying as he's moving and stuff like that. So that was the only thing that they 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 actually drew an animated with their hair, like a little hair. 
Oh, you, you got cut off a little bit or there. Like it was was individually, frame by frame. Yeah, frame by frame. That yeah, yeah. No, no, it's good now. So that was, was just, their hair was their hair was the only frame by frame thing, and that. <laughs> yeah, it was like exactly. That's like where all the, the the true painstaking work had to be. Well, and, and now in general, animation like that is hard. I mean, I I can't do that shit. Anymore. Yeah, and now you see like this degeneration of quality, and, and also something that I have complained about. Oh, is the I, corporate art the soulless corporate like the art that oh. doesn't represent any kind of person it's just like a, a confused melange of like uh not, i don't know the worst is like i i i don't like avengers movies or like the x-men movies like a lot of these movies yeah. like they're not bad on some level but like they just feel like they go by the formula and it's just so much more action than substance i guess yeah. i'm more of like a quentin tarantino guy i like a lot more substance and yeah it's, no. it's still very stylish in its own way but like yeah i like like a little bit depth of characters and you know fleshing out things but now like that kind of formulaic blockbuster film where it's just pure action you know and like it's almost redundant now like almost i think it was redundant, almost derivative it's like, yeah it's like yeah so but it's interesting because like it's almost a desensitization thing because I remember uh, Nick Swartzen, um, this comedian, stand-up comedian, right, he was right, also yeah. on Reno 911 too. Yep, well. yep, yep, yep. Um, he 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 was he was like people back in the 50s and 60s because he was complaining about how his friends were like Transformers sucked. And he's like, dude, if people in the 50s and 60s like saw that movie, they'd shit their pants and be like, oh my fucking God. Like, so yeah, I that one was that was the beginning of the marketing to that nostalgia. And it really like the first one, like I I really truly enjoyed, uh, even though there was a bunch of like marketing and obvious crap in it. I was like, this was truly marketed to my generation. And I thought the first one was fun, but yeah, like so you'll get a lot of people complaining about things like avengers and marvel and all that stuff and they're legitimate complaints like the stuff is lacking in substance and only yeah eye candy and it's like yeah maybe if one i i don't know if i, I don't think i even watch them anymore the new spider-man kind of looks trippy just on a trippy in and of itself level but it's like more, i don't know much how, how much more like identity splitting simulacrum shit like i can handle anymore. yeah <laughs> i mean it's almost like because like you can look at the contrast, like Tim Burton back in the day when he first started making films, like the original, the Batman with a uh, penguin, yes. you know, and that was like a totally like weird in total Tim Burton fashion, you know, that kind of dark setting and just darkness of it was just so on spot, like original, kind of like the original Pee Wee Herman movie. I don't know if you've ever seen oh. that. I saw him live. I've seen the I've seen the Pee Wee Herman show live before. Actually. Oh yeah, nice. I got I used to, to go see it in like uh, California in like two thousand six or seven or some shit. Oh Coming man, up. that reminds me. I I was on the show Wienerville. Do you remember Wienerville? You were on Wienerville. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, it was like um. They, they were doing like a tour of the the country, yeah. and uh, they came to like some place nearby, like at this auditorium, and. Uh, we won the golden hot dog, me and my mom. And my mom just so happens to have the same name as a famous actress. And I just, I'm not going to mention her name. Sure, but sure. so I, my mom is convinced that he hurt, that word through the grapevine reached the main guy, Mark Wiener, who, who uh, runs the show. And so he picked us out of the crowd to go up onto the stage and be part of the act. So I got to go up and we did this competition and we won the golden hot dog and uh, got a signed poster and everything. Yeah. So we 
Centerville was was on, but like by the time I had gotten Nickelodeon, like that kind of like it was starting to end. And yeah, like, I had had it, but I didn't actually. So I didn't actually experience Wienerville, but I I remember seeing like I just I vaguely remember the theme and the kind of stuff, but I kind of missed some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean Wienerville you, was like lasted like a season, by the way. So it was a very short run but let me yeah. tell you a, a funny story about nickelodeon simulacra um everybody every kid's desire was to get slimed right everybody, oh, yeah. every kid wanted to get slimed with that that green gack slime shit yeah whatever the hell that is yeah and i i was uh, i don't know if you remember a place called <laughs> dollywood dolly parton's theme park in tennessee it's actually it's not it's not really revolved around her so much as she made it it's just kind of a it's kind of silly but there was the nickelodeon studios there um you know and they had the little shows they put on and and what and uh i was like yours and like we were (laughs) we were there were a bunch of kids in the audience this is like this is my time i'm seeing nickelodeon live (laughs) and uh there (laughs) there's this big build-up to like you know they're they're like all right the show is hitting its climax it's zenith and it's like everyone's like all right are you kids ready to get slimed? Like they had literally, and they had literally slimed like one kid outside. They dumped the slime on him. And then oh, we were like, wow. And we were like, yes, Zenith and Marks, let's just give it a slime. <laughs> and it was, and like green confetti fell from the ceiling. And I was like, Aww. and I remember the feeling of, of the, everyone else. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, that, it's like, that's explains the rest of my life in a nutshell. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like that's yeah. when everything went downhill. I was, yeah, I realized yeah. that the corporations lie. It's all a scam. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very disappointing moment for me. Yeah, dude, I can imagine because you're young, you know. So it's a fucking a. It was funny, but yeah, that was good times. Nickelodeon, everyone kind of like Nickelodeon. Are you? Oh, dude. Or- yeah, I used to love Rocco's Modern Life and stuff like that. I love Rocco. Yeah, Rocco oh, is yeah. definitely in the Ren and Stimpy camp, but yep. a, li- a little less. Then Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy was like, yeah. (laughs) Ren and Stimpy was like, dude, I watched, I've gone back to watch Ren and Stimpy and I'm like, whoa, bro. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing. And then they came out, they came out with a weird remake that was even more gross, like later years. It was more, it was. Oh, yes. It was called the adult, the adult party cartoon. I think it was Ren and Stimpy, the adult party something. Yeah. It was really messed up too. That one, that guy's got, that guy's incredibly like crazy mind. He must've done a lot of acid. But yo, yeah. when I when I watch that, it's funny because we broke all this ground with like The Simpsons and South Park, and you would think that anything goes. But I think to myself, man, if Fred and Stimpy came out today, there probably would be like a bit of a, especially on Nickelodeon, because Nickelodeon has totally gone PG just about, and I don't really think that would would fly like it used to and that's kind of weird to say because it feels like anything goes now but it's not necessarily true i think we've like advanced in certain areas and regressed in certain areas like certainly yeah yeah um, it's not so black and white in a sense yeah yeah it's hard to i don't know like like i said i felt like for sure that my time and in means of like my interaction with culture like definitely came and went and i had a good a really good time of it and now yeah oh i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen in the world it's fucking weird and unsettling i mean not everything is bad now and i really i dispute when people say that music sucks now because i'm like okay listen if you're going to mainstream yeah there's a lot of crap there's a lot of crap and i really do agree with that sentiment but there's so much amazing music out there right now it's insane like we are living in the most abundant time of great music and i'm like 
there's still awesome prog bands coming out. I mean, you name it. There's talent. Music doesn't die. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I really yeah. like. I want people to realize that. You know, like. Eh. Oh yeah, it's just like less easy to get access to quality things. Yeah, it's, and it's or or, or, or I had somewhere between that and like I and or I don't have the patience to do certain things. That's anymore. true. That's also gotta look at yourself. You know, like if you're. I used to explore albums more than I do now. You know. Well, uh, yeah, I see. That was a thing. Like, like even like I was a musician for a while like touring mm. traveling all that kind of stuff um and we actually like we released stuff into the ether like digitally available stuff but we still wanted to make albums sure you know we wanted to make albums and we released two cds you know everyone had access to the spotify and everything but we went to great pains to uh, kind of put local artists as uh, to make them a part of that and make that what other local artists we wanted to like kind of bring along that are with course, our that we saw as good artists and i try to do that as much as possible highlight people that were local, local hey, right on man i support that i mean that's what yeah, you gotta yeah. do nowadays people gotta start doing that you know if they're not doing it already yeah it's there's mm -hmm. gonna be i i've been saying for a while like um this is probably not necessarily a revolutionary thought but new types of communities and parallel societies are definitely going to form and are in the process of forming what that's going to end up looking like i don't know i don't want it to be some transhuman madness that's why i'm going to be the chicken captain but uh, <laughs> but, uh yeah so it's no I don't know. but like dot, 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 yeah i explored the idea of communes at one point because i really thought to myself I'm like, oh I just, yeah i don't feel like i identify but most of them are kind of like no offense but like and and it's not a bad thing either but it just doesn't <laughs> kind of fit my 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 way of life i guess it's like yeah like really no ecological I, hippie dippy kind of thing like yeah i like, i ex i explored and i have explored that <clears throat> recently um in ways but like what i used to do was uh um and and you'll have to forgive the name because it's not what it sounds like but there's what were known as rainbow gatherings and they probably still have them oh yeah but it like uh you know a bunch of uh pirate hippie people that were like uh outside of culture and on the fringe of norms and stuff and just were weird weird people like going out to the woods and meeting up and uh that yeah kind of thing. i always and wanted I, to admit, I wanted to get out but, to that but i never managed to yeah well when i when i went out there and and did those and i went to a, a few years of doing that and it was it was it was authentic like it was an authentic kind of uh, thing and uh there was just i you know i don't know how much stuff like that exists and it didn't ex exist in the state of total authenticity like it had they had to like go make runs out for food into the world but people would come out and like you know like there was stuff like people would be out there walking around on various weird uh substances and like there'd be like a i remember at one point there was like i was with a couple of friends who were you know in a psychedelic state of mind and like there was a lot of music and drumming in the background you're familiar with these kind of things i'm sure and like For there sure. was a guy walking around with a with a didgeridoo who was able to like i don't understand those instruments they're very strange but he was able to like somehow like incorporate the holistic image and sound of everything around and then like reflect it back out and it was strange things like that happening like just people walking around true blue exo culture i even I even at one point, this is kind of bug, a bug mentality, but I remember writing an anthropology paper on their traditions when I, it was, oh, I write, I wrote an anthropology paper on my experiences of that with them and their, they had their own little mythos and, 
And it was very, it was a very interesting time to, you know, have an authentic encounter. And, and it was just as weird and strange. And, sure, and no, it's it almost like it doesn't, there's no, there is no offense taken. I mean, I, I learned, it's another thing, like I learned what I could from that, took from it, it was very good. And, you know, it was just interesting. I'd bring people out there. And, and at one point there was a, I mean, if you've never experienced this, it's really cool, but um, st standing in a circle of people with, uh, like there was a ritual at one point where it's like it's like the main ritual like the thing peaks out on Valentine's Day every year and like there's a big like uh, giant cauldron of like vegan dinner I'm not a vegan but you know it's whatever and there's a bunch of hungry people in the woods and hit random kitchens of weird food and and uh, you stand in a circle holding hands and everybody does like a big group ohm, ohm. and it like truly is kind of like uh weirdly it's like it takes on its own life and ohm. of course it's always that's like the only tattoo i have an own tattoo i mean there's a not you know i just met a i was around hanging around a girl and stuff and she gave me that tattoo and it's the only thing i could think of thing i could think of that was meaningful like symbol symbol wise at that time right but uh yeah so that was like those things were were interesting and like a another aspect of being like yes this is the tail end of the hail bop comic kind of thing you know and it's interesting Good. that you mentioned that ohm thing because i've actually done that with a friend once and i just discovered it because i used to just meditate by myself and i really wanted to try this idea which is sit in front of each other you know indian style and uh -huh. just hum ohm at the same tone and like we were both really stoned and we didn't do it for very long because he got kind of weirded out by it but oh yeah it was like intense energetic connection. It was like, whoa, like you could feel like the vibration, like really strong. And I was oh, like, yeah. damn, man, I've always wanted to explore that to this day. Like if anyone ever wanted to do that, I would, I just haven't had the chance, but I wanted to like experiment to see where that would take us. I don't know. into some deeper state of mind. I have no idea, but like, anyways, but that's a very yeah, hippie no, thing I, <laughs> for sure. No, I have, I have um, very much have experiences like that and, excuse me and can understand and and i've had profound um things that uh, uh dealt with like vibration and sound and stuff with psychedelics and and other people like women in my life that were you know very profound and more more real than anything i've experienced that this culture has produced you know but like just sure. between two lines if you want to call it um uh i can't think of the man that's what i'm thirsting for man it's more like exploring some sort of absurdist kind of culture you know like it doesn't have to have explicit meanings there doesn't have to be necessarily frameworks to like yeah. how you should live your life or how you should believe or how you should think but you just kind of live and i just i don't yeah. know i feel like that's the best way to disconnect somehow from yeah just this, it's a authentically kind of, live have an authentic conversation with the environment you're in yeah yeah and just not be so entrained into a culture that's kind of almost formulated for you and you yes. have like less and less participation in the direction of that culture because i feel like a lot of times it's a lot of corporate culture that really influences most culture nowadays like i said right because of the downfall of music and with through napster and stuff like that even though i still love the fact that we have access to music even to this day that's free yes. and stuff like that oh but yeah no i'm not i i don't have a real like i mean i have maybe a slight a slight amount of uh disappointment about like the way things have gone but i i'm not right. It's not like but, I, it's like, oh, I don't want you to have access to good music. <laughs> That's no, not yeah, the, of no. course, of course. But my, my the broader point really is like the corporatization of culture. And yeah. basically it's what the leverage of money and corporate interest that is behind yeah. what is most popular in society, what kind of dictates the cultural norms of the day. Yeah. So 
Black Mirror was truly a, it was like a scary, reflective, like thing. I, everyone I felt like was touched by that show that watched it, you know, like especially yeah. the first couple of seasons. You oh know? man. Like the, the one where like, <laughs> and it was constantly a joke to a lot of people, like the one where it's like, uh, you know, a guy does something shitty and like he's kind of made an outcast and a pariah and he's like his his little avatar is turned off and like blocked from everybody and nobody. Can oh, see yeah, him. Like, that has in some ways that, you know, I have lived that life in existence. I would be I I'd mean, be truly, I'd be truly terrified if it comes to that, you know, well, I, like I, in China, they have a social credit score. Right. I know. So, like, yeah. I it's, mean, yeah, that's horrifying. I, it is horrifying. And like the idea of like the. um you know, that we're going to have to maybe compete with it somehow in this country is like a, a thing, an idea people have toyed with. And I don't always know how to properly think about the China thing because it used to be, it used to be legitimately like what I saw is like kind of a, a, a Fox News kind of like China, China, China. And I don't really right. care uh, that much, but I do in a sense that I don't know how to, how to frame it necessarily. But it's like China is interesting because there are a lot of questions or, that revolve around like what is China? What is it? Is it is it socialistic? Is it fascistic? What is it? It's definitely nationalistic in a sense that they have yeah, ethnos there. Like a, let's say like a majority ethnos that kind of decides. Like I saw a video that was uh, it was kind of a um, training video for the um, Chinese army, and what they were doing was they were hearkening back to these like ideas of these days when they were like the the. Uh, uh, keen warrior like Han tribes and they're like Re reclaim your destiny and I was like sick I was like that's it like <laughs> you know like I mean in, in only in terms of like I often imagine like like I'm I wonder what it's like to have a nationalism or a culture that actually authentically represents me and my kind of people more you know that's always right. something I'm and while and while like I don't know too much about China, and I want to be careful about how I talk about this because I don't know for certain. But from what I understand, a lot of these the political situation in China is based off a of meritocracy. So like along with that social credit score idea, there's a certain level of like reliability and honor and seniority, kind of like you know how someone in the military will become a private, then a lieutenant or a sergeant, yeah, and then we'll climb up in the ranks. And then we'll be given jurisdiction and power. I think that's like that framework of how it kind of works in our political system to some degree. But, <laughs> but <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry, that's no, all right. Um, but uh, from what I understand, that's how largely their political system is. So, like, the more you stay in line, the more you you toe the line, and the more efficient and skilled you are at it, the more that you will find higher places in that culture instead of being someone who is like you know bringing revolutionary ideas it's more about unifying a single vision instead of yeah. us in america which were so diverse in opinion and visions that's the basis of democracy really right i mean well yeah so somebody so one of the one of the people that i uh, just a, a, a journalist i follow you know he said america you know i've often wondered as like what is america who does it represent somebody had that response for me those people saying i said sandlot and I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, but the guy that I, you know, the journalist, he's like, America is, and it's always kind of the way I thought of it. It's like, it's a bunch of competing nationalisms. It doesn't in and of itself have really quite its own identity anymore. It used to somewhat. And we're, we've seen like the death of kind of certain cultures within America and like the birth. Sure. 
the, 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 the beginning of some kind of other strange, confused blob of something. I don't know well, what it's becoming, but well, yeah. like, you know, like things like cults and stuff like that, right? Like you're allowed <laughs> to like have a secular part of society that doesn't exist in France. Like if you develop any sort of cult like thing, you get shut down here. Like how do you elaborate if you would? I, as much as you like or as far like, as God, as far as i understand it from what my grandparents were explaining to me but like if you develop a cult like a society within a society and you're like oh, like a like a fifth column kind of thing right like kind of like the amish you know how the amish are kind yeah. of like a culture within a culture it's yeah like, they're like a, they're like an ethno they're they're like actually an uh european ethno religious group which is yeah actually because stupid. because yeah, like it's like because sports is the best way to look at uh, the way that things compete, right? And every country, especially when it comes to soccer in, in Europe and stuff like that, has their own districts, it says, right? Each county, yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So that's how they compete. But it's not taken so seriously, especially in France. Like soccer isn't as big as it is in England, for instance. England is the craziest for soccer there is. But in America, yeah. it's a very similar idea. And I, and I find it very fascinating when you look at America. America, to me, is – you have 50 states competing for your for people in a sense it's like yeah. for an idea and that is being lost more and more to the federal side of things because the federal government was always meant to be smaller and just yeah. something to accentuate and complement society while state governments held most of their power and could control yeah. more things within their jurisdiction. That's changed dramatically nowadays where the federal is superseding all the state legislatures, you know? So you have like in football, American football is a great example of like how you pit, you know, state against state, right? You yeah. know, Alabama versus Georgia, you know, or South yeah. Carolina with the, the the college football, you know. So it's a very perfect thing for capitalist competition because then you can experiment with different things. Like, okay, we're gonna have less taxes because you know how many people move out of California because the taxes are too high. So. Yeah. It incentivizes, so you can change the structure of a state to incentivize people to come and to develop that state in a different way. So that's why I think the beauty of America is, and essentially, a lot of countries are kind of designed like that already, but it's not to the same degree nor as encouraged as it's been in America. So that's kind yeah, of how well, I see th it. This <laughs> this is like this place whole place seems to me to be like this country, America, where I'm at right now. Um, seems to be a social experiment which i kind of resent you know like i i wish it was just more like a social way of existing like i don't know like i don't even know how to think about it. so i understand what you're saying and i don't necessarily disagree with that i just don't know like america has been such a you know such an odd entity to me my whole life not something that like i talk about nationalism but excuse me but um are you there yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, I thought I heard a beep. Um, but like in America, there's not really been much of a coherent um, kind of idea of that. And then it's been truly like a cosmopolitan weird thing. So it's hard to... But there is a foundational thing, right? Which is liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Just that statement alone would encompass for most people what America aspires, right? Just kind of yeah. as like a general basis. And that's been our soft power as an imperial power in the world, right? We are spreading democracy. We're spreading, you know, the rule of law, you know, in countries that are lawless or have dictators. Well, yeah, I think the one of the things that would, for me, when I think about it, um, the idea of why America was most interesting for a while is because it was basically a European super state. You know, that, mm -hmm. that was what was interesting about it to me. And I've known um, a couple of people who were into these kind of strands of thought. And I'm like, what is it that's 
like civic nationalism like or something like that like you know these talking to someone who is a civic nationalist and they'll be like i'm like what is it for me a guy who comes from more blood and soil kind of you know not magic dirt mentality or whatever but a blood and soil i'm like what is it about america for you and it's like well this only this specific um this specific formulation of a European ethnos only exists here. And I was like, that's a pretty good answer. I can, I can, you know, I don't know mm. if it's one that I totally accept, but it's one that I can be like, okay, well, I can, I can understand that right, enough, right. at least, you know, but yeah. the, the situation with like identity and politics here, I mean, you know, stray as close or far away as you like, but um, See, that's it's, what just I getting, feel... it's just getting strange. It's just getting I, strange. I feel like culture is becoming more homogenized. You know what I mean? I feel like there's been more yeah. of like a splint. There was more of like a cultural diversity. I feel cultural diversity is shrinking to some degree. And I feel yeah. like you had such more diversity because, you know, you had like the, you know, speaking from a New York perspective, right. Just look at Ellis Island and all the immigration that came through with all the Italians, the Jews, uh-huh. uh, the Irish, all that coming in, they created their own little societies within society. And like, that is sort of the melting pot, right? That's the old expression used in America. Yes. And that's naturally going to create conflicts and create, you know, secular pieces of society that are going to be just completely different. So I, I don't think there is a blanket, expression for what america is right it's almost like the shift the constantly evolving identity right yeah i've, like, I've always kind of resented that you know because i i like um i'm happy for experimentation and like actual diversity and stuff but w- when it's just like the words instead of the thing itself i'm like eh. right well it's also like it goes comes with pros and cons right no system whether political or economic are going to be perfect they're just not. Sure. There doesn't yeah. exi- I don't think that really exists. No, I, like, I'll, I'll, I'll tip my hat to that. Yeah. Right. Because sure. like essentially we'd be talking about utopia then, right? Right. Like, uto- right. Utopia yeah. maybe in some you know far off Atlantis type fantasy. Like, yeah, like fully know. automated, like automated like luxury space communism. Is that like that's that's yeah, an, I, like, that's a meme that I've heard. Like I always like Star Trek and and seen. Mm-hmm. You know, for for even you know more, even though it has a lot of faults and doesn't, it's not as meaningful to me as the '60s Next Generation one. Mm. Um, it was always, it was always like that was. I'm like, this is a cosmopolitan ideal that I can like, kind of like, I can understand. Um, but but it's you know, it's like it's <laughs> when you watch that stuff, it's like there's still uh, like these old these old episodes from like the '90s and stuff. There's still like within these this this giant um homogenized culture you have people that still were distinct and like remember their roots and heritage of course well that's interesting that that i would be able to happily deal with that in a sense if like you know there was still a it wasn't let's say uh, pure rootless cosmopolitanism and there were actually roots to it that were veritable and and worth interacting with and such right and And so on and so on I mean, <laughs> I remember reading Brave New World a long, long time ago. So like my memory is, 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 is a little bit off on like everything in that book. But I still remember because like no matter how much you can create the most fantastical society that seems to satisfy every desire and manipulate everything, even the, the main character protagonist, I kind of identified with him. His name is Bernard. So like, uh-huh. I always identified with that a little bit. He just feels sure. like something's wrong. Like he's just not content. And everyone's just like, dude, just take some Soma, bro. You know what uh, they say, you know? Like, yeah, that was you know? probably, yeah, no, I understand. Uh, take, take, take your little vacation, you know? And it's like, 
he just still felt that there was something he's missing and he didn't know how to articulate it so well, but he knew that he just didn't feel like that things were right. Things were in place. So I feel like there's always kind of like that sort of maladaptive quality that not, it, it can never be a perfect system. And I think by that's very nature that no system can be perfect that creates change and the inevitable rise and collapse of things. And that there's a constant continuing flow. We do, and I, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, maybe there is something to like the psychology of like your approach, right? Which is more nationalist, more kind of um, singular in terms of direction of a society. Mm -hmm. um, that desire structure and order to make order out of such intense chaos and to be yeah. able to fundamentally, you can progress things in society in an incredible fashion. Like no matter what you can say about, you know, World War II and Hitler and the whole regime, it's astounding what they were able to accomplish through that act of direct in impact on all areas of a society by able to manipulate the whole society as a whole, the industries, everything, they were able to nationalize everything to create a spectacular amount of growth in such a short amount of time. Yeah, the idea so of a social nationalism is something that appeals to me for sure, you know, just but but in a sense uh, of unity, because I feel like there's no unity in yeah. America. Like, yeah, especially like now. The, the last time that and I, that people were able to do that, and people will talk about this as such as 9 11. And I, I mean, I wasn't, I never jumped on that whole board with the whole i mean i just felt it. i remember feeling like yes people need to people heal like come together to heal kind of we stand together that kind of thing and yeah sure. so like when i think about firmness and nationalism and all that stuff it's not that um uh, like personally for me that i want to like um um make someone feel so otherly that they're inhuman or like exclude them from society because i mean mm. i know that feeling very well um sure. but but i would like there to be more meaningful tribal uh bases i i guess let's say to to authentic tribal bases to like the experiences that people have because i think that we are inherently all of us a tribalistic people and that mm. we essentially want to kind of um aspire you know, to I don't a know. sense of community right like a sense yes. of con connection yes yes yeah. certainly yeah and I, that's something that i used to have in and that, a, a, to a huge degree a huge yeah. degree you know and it's yeah just, a lot, of it's lost, been, oh, a lot of it's lost that's for sure and i and like you know like i feel like we're witnessing this the continued fracturing and splintering of this country and i can't tell if that's possibly like insurgency you know through information warfare which i'm sure right. it is to some degree to splinter us into to degrade a sense of unity in this country because there's such a diversity of opinion and whatever forces that are external to the United States are trying to push that into the cultural milieu. Because they always talk about how Russia uses, you know, cyber warfare or um, information warfare yeah, in a sense so, to manipulate yeah, thought, and, manipulate belief. Yeah, you know? and you never know, I never know how accurate or real any of this stuff is because- It's I usually, always vague, it's always vague. Yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah, I always, I always hear about it in this like kind of secondhand way where it's usually like, uh, and no offense to any conservatives, but it's usually like conservatives kind of talking about talking points that I have internalized and shout out like a long time ago, you know, so um, I don't, and I have a, you know, a clearly a right-leaning thing, but I also have a left-leaning 
uh, tendencies as well. So, you know, that's sure. why I, mean, I would consider myself a social nationalist and, and what that means or something like it, it, it's going to be have to be fleshed out because I think people do have um, a, sense of, a sense of identity that they want to retain that's meaningful for them and, and of course. Uh, how to not... Um, and I how think to that, not, how to not corrode others in in doing so is is a kind of way I'm trying to apprehend the it's world. It's very tough because that's always you know? been like the task of the of, of globalism Fuck. in general. Is what is happened? Hello, can you hear me? Yo. Okay, you you cut out there for a second. Sorry. Can, yo, can you hear me? Ooh, yo, weird. yo, yo. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm here again. It's just cut off and did a weird blip thing, but yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay, no, that was my internet connection. So I, I think it was stopped recording. Now it's still recording, so I'm not sure. Okay. But anyways, just an unstable connection. It all. turned into like Aphex Twin for me for a second. It was weird. Yeah, so. you, you, you come in every once in a while, a little bit Aphex Twin-y. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Oh, shit. But, yeah, tell me if it's like on, if it sounds real bad or something, but. Yeah, but I think in general, that is a vulnerability to democracy in general is that it's open to the so much so much dialogue and so much of it is not curtailed or curbed like it is in China, for instance, right? Like uprisings will immediately be stamped down in a way that they will not be because we respect more, even though we respect it less nowadays, but we respect yeah. more the, the ability to protest, to speak out, to have your own opinion, et cetera, et cetera. But that leaves you open to basically a death by a thousand paper cuts, right? You keep yeah. slicing the pie and then eventually you have just a mangled, like everyone splintering off into their own divisionary views of the world. And then yeah. that's how civil wars start. And I honestly feel like we're watching slowly but surely the unrest. And especially if inflation continues the way it's going, as much yeah. as I've been studying economics lately, dude, it is a very bad scene. I mean, we're printing trillions of dollars, trillions. And yeah, no one's batting an a, eye. Like, are you kidding I me have right a now? Great, I have a great worry for uh, my European brethren and what's going to happen. Uh, and I wonder sometimes I get this impression though, like I'm trying to come back in January, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back with COVID and shutting down. They're already shutting down because of the new variant or whatever, you know, yeah, I'm not, okay. let's not talk COVID, please. I do not That's fine. Go yeah, no, that. fine. Yeah. Happy, happy not to. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, but anyways, they're shutting down a lot of travel in a lot of areas. The effects it has are real and worth talking about. Oh yeah. yes, that's true. That's true. And it affects the economies and the economies of scale and the economies that are developed today are always about constant growth. So if you have yeah. such shutdowns and lockdowns, but I kind of feel like it's preparation in a sense for the fact that they see it coming. They see it coming. They've known it for a long time now, that the debts are just ballooning. We're in hyper bubbles in many different areas from real estate to student debt to private yeah. credit. Yeah. Uh, the, you know that the unfunded current on liabilities of the United States is 150 to 160 trillion. So that means, no. yes, Medicare. Medicare is like 33 trillion. Uh, Social Security is 23 trillion. And the rest of the unfunded means we do not have a source of payment for them yet. So that's $160 trillion of debt in the pipeline that we eventually have to pay back, which is impossible. We all know that. And yeah. the fact that we have a debt ceiling, you've heard about the debt ceiling, right? Sure, so yeah. basically we're admitting every time we come to the debt ceiling, which is every year now, because we have ballooning debts that are 
bumping against that ceiling. They're saying we will not be able, they say it legitimately in Congress, they say we will not be able to continue funding the programs of the government if we do not raise the debt ceiling, which is basically admitting to everybody that we're living in a Ponzi scheme type economy. Basically, we need to borrow to keep where we're at. We don't make enough yeah. through revenues and through tax impositions. And we've already seen the loss of industrial of our industrial capacity to China and to Eurasia, just about uh, mostly Asia. But okay. we've basically offshored all our production. It's basically it's been this long, slow, steady. I feel it's an insurgency to some extent, man. I, I really believe it. Society and its consequences have been a disaster. For of the course. And like the idea <laughs> that unfettered greed is going to lead to the light. You know, that's what capitalism is based on, right? The idea that you make a product that is in demand or that people can use. So you satisfy your own desires in terms of monetary wealth and you provide yeah. a service or a good. So that's satisfying the desires of the people. Win-win, right? This makes sense on some level. But then when you realize when you get to monopoly type money, then you could start leveraging and then you have anti antitrust problems. Like take uh, in- Intel and AMD, for instance, right? Uh, I'm yeah. sorry if I'm hogging the conversation a little bit here, but- No, no, please go on. Yeah, Intel and AMD, the two biggest chip makers for computers in the world, essentially the only two besides NVIDIA, which makes graphics chips. And they're also going into CPUs more too, but that's another story. But basically it's Intel and AMD. And they're the two main competitors it's still to this day who make CPUs for computers, supercomputers all around the world, yeah. servers, everything. So um, at one point it was discovered, AMD discovered that Intel had been behind closed doors. At one point, AMD has always been second fiddle, but then had created yeah. a new CPU technologies that were so advanced at the time that it would take at least four or five years for Intel to catch up. So suddenly AMD was in demand and servers, people wanted it in their servers. So basically Intel behind closed doors made deals with Dell and HP and basically said, listen, you need to limit AMD to 5% of the market and we'll give you millions of dollars in rebates on our chips. Just keep, we'll keep supplying the chips. So this idea that, you know, unfettered greed and cap, it, it becomes this corrupt behind closed doors thing where money and power can you can leverage against your competitors and eventually dominate the whole market to where nobody else has any who can topple walmart can you imagine a company coming out today that could topple something like walmart i mean walmart would have to fuck up royal and sometimes it does happen but the too big to fail thing which is not it's not uh, it's not you know i think people when that happened they kind of uh thought it was ridiculous but i you know it's understandable enough in this context like you're talking about it yeah yeah of course it's like david versus versus goliath right like there's a there's a chance but david versus goliath is like one in a million and to make a business that will topple a goliath is one in a million because they have so many connections in the corporate world that they can maintain their position like nobody's business even if they're not even price competitive they can just keep you out of the market and you'll go bankrupt before you even had a chance to usurp their power. So yeah. it's like, it's just fundamentally, it, there's too many holes in the whole paradigm of how this would work out in the long run. Because unfettered greed, we act like, which is considered all throughout history among moral, more moral and ethical principles. So as a bad is not a good thing as we see the destruction we see the destruction of the environment today for unfettered consumerism and productism i mean Mm -hmm. like 
I don't even know that's a word progressive, but like just nah. consumer yeah. fetishism in a sense. Yeah. And that has created such a vast destruction of the earth. We're polluting mm. so many rivers. Like they can find garbage all over every Again, part of this. And I say industrial floor. society and is mm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's truly, it's truly terrifying. You know, like yeah. I, I do talk about, um, you know, identity and blood and soil a lot, but I'll tell you, man, like I, oh shit, 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 shit. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry. Um, despite that, um, I do have like worries about just like everyone. Like I do want like everyone to generally be okay. Like I do sure. want that. And I was so, I'm not, others can come to their own conclusions about this or what. Sometimes I just get anxious and neurotic, but, and I'm not even like, I would say I lean towards the pagan end of things, but I have like a, a cultural folkish notion of Christianity. I don't often pray much, but there was a, there was a day about a week ago where I was just so anxious about other people's anxiety that I seriously, and you, I could count on, on one hand how many times I've prayed in my life, but I, I seriously like dropped to my knees and just like prayed for everybody. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know, man. I don't think it's like, it's necessarily not a meaningful thing for me to do it only Dude. at certain times or do I think anything actually hears me. But, you know, despite this identitarian like kind of outlook I have, I do want everything, to be, everyone to be okay and be happy and all yes. right. Like, you know, I want, it's I want such people a... to be, I want people to be okay. And there are a lot of people that I know um, that are not okay. Like they're just not doing well. And I, you know, at times, you know, I've, I've not been doing well and it's just hard to be okay. It's hard to be okay these days, but I do, um, you know, that's a, that's a really, that's a really intimate insight into like, like a process that I don't usually engage in or reveal, but I definitely have anxiety on like on behalf of everyone <laughs> yeah no, you know, no if that makes like, any sense you know <laughs> i no, i've been saying to myself more and more now that you mentioned it i'm afraid i'm literally saying that in my head i'm afraid i'm like legitimately afraid because yeah. we're seeing the epidemic of opioids we're seeing epidemic of suicides and, and gun violence yeah. and school yeah. shootings and yeah. you know you're like wow like you know the time where i was growing up things you know happened here and there but it was like freak incidents kind of you know yes and yes. you know columbine was like the first time we had ever imagined something like that could happen and now, now it's just happening it's more and more and it, more. yeah it freaks me out and it ter i think that's something that we i that we it's the signs of just... decline it's a sign of decline and it's a sign of social dysfunction and we are also tapped in now because of the internet and i think internet is exacerbating and accelerating it because we're so tapped in to just the, the the pulse of what's going on in so many different areas that people are people are getting smarter this is what i, I said to a woman one time i was like man i really wish i grew up in the 60s this is when i was younger because i wanted to be a hippie and you know enjoy the movement she's like no you don't she's like people were a lot stupider back then stupid is not a real word but less intelligent yeah. back then yeah yeah and now, and then I thought to myself, yeah, you know, like nowadays we have such a sophisticated infrastructure when it comes to the internet that we are also tapped into a lot of information. Some of that information not being, you know, healthy or helpful, but mm -hmm. a ton of, we listen, we can listen to any philosopher. Information self. for information's sake. Yeah. yeah. You can get Harvard lectures now on YouTube. Oh, I always and, have loved watching the Harvard and Yale lectures. Yeah. Of course, or Dartmouth or Yale, you know, all these yeah. speakers, you know, Chomsky, these people are accessible uh, now. 
Yeah, and Chomsky was always kind of um, he he has always been kind of um, an, uh, a guy I looked up to for better or for worse. I, oh. I thought he I've always thought he was a brilliant mind, and I I you know influenced my tendency to like study cognitive science and language and philosophy. And he was definitely a guy who um, oh, is a genuine still a guy. He's still a guy. Uh, yeah. I, I just don't think he's as relevant as he used to be. But he is still a guy who he was. Um, um, he was a pedagogical influence on me, you know, like I For definitely, sure. I definitely, um, yeah, he's just been a, I believe a, he, just a profoundly meaningful person to me. I, I've exchanged emails with him on more than one occasion, you know, he'll, that's so he'll, cool. he'll, he'll email you back, man. I remember one yeah, time I know. And it, it was yeah. just full of garble. Like I was not in my right mind. I was like, is there a way to find truth? And he's just had mm. a, you know, it was like full of like, must've known it was a crazy dude, person. He, he's, and he gave me a real response. He's a, he's such a, he's such a guy. I love dude, that guy. He is, he's a man of the always, people really from the get. He really though, is. Like, I will yeah. always have a, a profound. Now he said a couple of things recently that I maybe didn't agree with, but he has been a really, um, you know, people come in their oh. own opinions on it, but he's always I, been an influential as profoundly influential. influential he, to me. He's cons He's considered like at least one of the most important figures of our time. Really. I mean, even yeah. a little bit before, time because he was out in the 70s and 80s i think dude he was out there doing it in like the 50s he's been yeah, out there he's been out right? there doing it. i mean really he's, since he's, he's old now see, man he's really yeah old. he's and it's sad and stuff but i remember yeah there was uh and and one of the things that i'll tell you what that, that i truly learned from him is that um there's certain academic pursuits that engage in like They'll, they'll just implicitly teach intellectuals to muddy the water on purpose so like you know getting into this like postmodern crap like i remember at one point um that i was at one time like really into studying now you can look back and laugh at this but i was trying to understand what critical theory was before the masses knew what it was you know reading these guys and stuff right. and i was i remember being in a sociology and philosophy class and kind of presenting uh, you know again to use the word a strange melange um, and somebody pointed out, you know, Chomsky and these postmodernists is, uh, and these views are not commensurate. You should probably try and um, you should probably try and figure that out, guy. And you know, I did have a, I did have a, a revelation with that, and uh, in nice. and of itself. But like, just in the sense that, like, you shouldn't ever seek to muddy the waters too. And and there is a t there was a time where like I I definitely just got let's just say fascinated with like some of these academics like uh, you know Boriar and all these guys and who who is enjoying certainly a a, a, re a renaissance oh, and interest. That's for sure. I mean, especially because yeah. of the Matrix and then its inclusion in it. Um, yeah, I was just talking to the, the guys I was talking to last night. I was specifically um, trying to remember the author that wrote uh, on the exact. On the exactitude in the sciences, which became the the map is not the territory kind of discussion, and like that, yeah. the, he's a Spanish writer. I can't remember, but he's a real, real, real good, real good writer. You know, there's a, a documentary I recommended to you a long time ago, and um, I think it's a little too. I mean, it's not bad, but it's just a little too primitive, maybe for us because we're so well versed in a lot of different philosophies. But I think it's it's called Return to the Source. It's just great for like the intro to philosophy and explaining the matrix and the symbolism and the, just the different ideas. And that was one thing I wanted to lead to was Zeitgeist. Did you ever watch Zeitgeist? Oh well, that was yeah. Everyone watched it. I knew a person that had oh, a yeah. copy of that at one point. Really? In fact, I, I had yes, I had mm -hmm. seen which is funny, and I had. Uh, I had recently seen an article 
um, about one of the ones that preceded that, which was Loose Change, right? Which was about oh, yeah. 11 stuff. I remember seeing that. Um, and, and at some point, like, I feel like everybody, uh, you know, had watched Zeitgeist and had been like, more or less, like some people were like, yeah, I knew that already. And some of the information is not accurate, but it was meaningful to people. And it was oh, kind of- uh, And it was like the first of its kind. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like Loose Change was like uh, arguably one of the first of its kind, like the first like long documentary that detailed a conspiracy, right? So that yeah. was amazing. And then Zeitgeist was like this really well-made, incredibly well-directed and just had so much profound information that like the public just didn't know at the time. And now we're yeah. like so flooded with documentaries now. Like you can put out a Zeitgeist like documentary now and it'll get lost in the shuffle. That's how different the internet was back then. Well, yeah, Remember, I was, like, when I was talking to those guys last night, I was like referencing like, uh, I think a Norm MacDonald and Todd Glass conversation where Todd Glass is just like, We've got to make more documentaries. There aren't enough documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny, but yeah. Eventually, yeah, yeah. Inf information can only go so far, you know what I mean? And then it's action yeah. at that point, you know? But like, Ugh. I think one of the most potent things I remember from Zeitgeist was talking about the, the Federal Reserve and just mm -hmm. like the way that yes. fractional reserve banking was made and like yes. how they they that was a re that was part air. of the, what the revelation was uh, for a lot of people like oh. we need to question the uh federal reserve kind of thing. i remember ron paul type stuff all that stuff going on yeah i remember i was i was at the end of a mushroom trip and my brother put that on and i was just mesmerized i was like what is going on <laughs> and like i remember them talking about the religion part which a lot of people dispute now but like that was blowing my mind like wide open. I was like, the, what? Like, yeah, like the Greco-Roman Christian yeah, continuum. Mithra and all these gods. Yeah, like, yeah. The same cross in the sky, the constellation of the cross and the sun perceivably dies for three days. And then, you know, it was like, wow. Zeitgeist was so revolutionary at the time. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I feel like everyone like more or less watched it and was like, had an opinion about it more or less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was a good, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. You, and it was, it was an interesting time to reflect. If you had any like critical thinking attitude or any cold, you were, you were at least like, huh, this is kind of, yeah. Yeah. You were, you were introduced to it at some point, you know, like, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. It was, it was, a, it was, a you know that those early internet, those those wild west early internet days that yeah, extended man. to like sometime around 2010 or something maybe let's say uh, and they explored subjects on the internet back then that like you know were like kind of adult like remember rotten.com i don't remember rotten. oh yeah that was wow. that was just grotesque i mean oh that my was just god but like uh, that, I, I never that, want I never want to see anything like that again. <laughs> me neither. Me neither. But like you know, beheading videos and stuff like that. Yeah. That was no. Like, I immediately. What? I was like. I I immediately. I was like unknown Russian soldier. Ugh. That was Ugh. one of the things that turned me off to just looking at the internet. I was like, all right, I've seen enough. I've I mean, literally was, seen enough with certain things. I was like, I don't ever want to see anything like that in my life, in my real life. Yeah, never. Dude, it's never. crazy. You know what and I mean? It, never. And, and I think that's also what's caused such a depression in our generation is because we're exposed to the darknesses of the world back when the darknesses of the world had to be more localized for you to even be perceptive of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because the spread of information was so vast and widespread. Anybody could post anything on the internet at that point. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, people post crazy shit. So like we're exposed in our generation to so much more dark material than previous generations, because mm -hmm. there's only so much you could be exposed to before. And 
I think that has a profoundly negative consequence on like our view of life and meaning and direction and just the kind of precarious nature of our existence, I think is even more exacerbated. That. Mm, yeah, indeed. Indeed it is. The precarious yeah. nature of our existence. My existence exists on sheer precarity at this moment. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's incredible. And like, you know, back when like life was simpler in a sense, you can go back to the 50s even, you know, there was more yeah. of a, a, a kind of monoculture with things, you know, it was more yeah. pervasive a monoculture. Well, and a like, lot of people hearken to that, like Norman, like people will make fun of it, like the Norman Rockwell vibe. But I mean, and I understand dude. why, but I think it's yeah. very, it's very understandable to want to, at least in my mind, aspire it's, to that. It was a beautiful fruition time because it was after the war, everyone was having mm -hmm. children and starting a family. Everyone was building a nation we were yeah. experiencing the fruits of industrialization and like we had all these new products and we were experiencing wealth that we could that the masses were able to achieve it was like an amazing time and like yes. sure it wasn't all you know there's still the mafia there was still all you know bad things going on of course but like mm -hmm. it was a time that you can look back and like wow there was a level of wholesomeness there was a level of like things weren't as perverse as they are today i guess you could say you know Things have been perverted sure. up the yin yang today. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Nothing. yeah. I get, I get, like, just generally speaking, thinking about, um, I think this is understandable enough. The things that children are exposed to, even though I don't have oh, my horrible. own children, like, I think as if I did and that I may one day, and that, uh, it's it truly it's truly upsetting to me like like the like i i mean life is precious and you should treat it as such and now it's just like i don't know how to think about everything that's happening it's not and it's not a sheer reactionary it's like no i do have principles about what i i feel like are harmful to people you know like i have engaged yeah. with fringe movements and ideologies and stuff but in at the end like what i want for people is is certainly an objective platonic goodness maybe that is expressed differently in different peoples and i hope that you know we're able to find some kind of way of uh expressing our identities more or less in the same system without you know like it coming to basically you know for some civil war it's the thing revolutionary civil war type stuff, stuff that people have thought about and like i mm. you know if if there is a revolution i i don't i don't know what to say a lot of that's dot 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 and i don't like i don't a lot of I things are open-ended right now like there's a hard it's hard to know even which path to really take you know or what what path would the would a, would a positive future take from the, where we're where we stand now and yeah. I, I, it's what hard path does a positive a person that wants a positive positive things what path do they take in general yeah yeah i don't it's i i uh i don't know i don't know i don't always know there's a lot i don't know there's a lot and of funny i feel like i just don't know and i feel like that's history is that we don't know but we're gonna try something and that's what it's been it's like we have new ideas we have new intellectuals and usually in revolution the first ones to go are the intellectuals they're the they're under the firing squad first you know yeah. so yeah i mean but it's but it's always like that you know and to avoid the natural kind of cycles of time like even marcus aurelius was says you know life is repeating you know what i mean you just have to recognize the signals and signs and work with what part of the cycle you're at in a sense i'm, I'm yeah this is definitely like not I'm Kali paraphrasing big like time. A, it's a Kali Yuga type cyclical exactly. um, way of trying to apprehend. Things. And I think it's not inaccurate to think that we're in a time that has, you know, happened before and that 
we need to be wise and like careful about how we conduct ourselves just just generally speaking because uh, i mean things are just getting scary yeah and try not to cause more harm than than you know than you need to and i always position myself like as an everyman right i think we discussed this before like i had like one foot you know on on top the mountain and one foot in the valley and I think that's important uh, that we have that nowadays to understand these broader aspects to life and realize just how diverse and not necessarily that people are wrong most of the time, but they're just coming from a different vantage point yeah. and to be able to see that vantage point to create dialogue and to create, you know, that's how I always try to position myself. It's like, I always want to be friends with everybody I meet, but sometimes you just can't do that. Some people will be your enemy or uh, will just not I've, want to associate with you. Unfortunately, like I used to be so like that. And unfortunately I'm, I wish I were, and I, and, and I want to be more like that. And if, and if I can find a better way to do it's that, tough. like God, help me, you, get, I, you know, sometimes I get angry, man. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm saying I strive for that. Does that mean I succeed in doing that? Yeah. It's a whole different ball game. I get emotional. Yeah. I get, you know, I, I have sharp opinions at times. I see things in black and white when I get heated about certain things and yeah. it's not so simple. You know, you're a human being, you know? So yeah, you're like, so like, do you, uh, yeah, a lot of these like identitarian versus like, uh, you know, wanting to be cosmopolitan outlooks like come to, and the, the way that I've thought about it in, uh, in, in multiple occasions in ways that it's been, I, again, I thought the thought and it had been expressed is that it's like like possibly here in the States or just in the world that things might balkanize into different ecospheres or environment, you know, like different, right. again, like tribal, tribal little spots. And, and I just hope that we can like kind of like, I, you know, certainly what I don't want is to see a, a state of war or suffering or, or anything. And or like I'm another more, dark more ages. worried about that. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, people, people like talk about that stuff. And I know that um, I've certainly been a divisive uh, figure in the past, but, uh, and, you know, I'll always have my outlooks and tendencies, but I certainly, you know, I certainly want to be able to, like, uh, uh, join in fellowship with my fellow man kind of thing. And it's been, it's been really hard for for various reasons, personal shortcomings uh, of all kinds. Uh, you know, it would be nice to be able to like, just, yeah, generally just kind of like do the sandlot thing again, I guess. I don't know. Or just like, generally that's why, you know, again, it's like, I do this notion of, for me, like I, all I could ever aspire to be in the world is like a chicken farmer and like hang out and stick my feet in the dirt. And you know what? That is, that is truly good for me. And I'll tell you, when I, when I think about just to complete the thought, when I think about, um, Christmas this year, like I like people ask me like like so a couple people ask me like what do you want all I want is you just like the Mariah Carey song it's like I literally <laughs> all I want is you like 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 who my family my friends like I just want to be like there's no there is no material thing except for just surviving and uh, you know th- like just surviving not even thriving just surviving that and 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 just and then hanging out with good people which is like what you know I I really. I really want to, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, right. I'm going to go hang out with one of my relatives tomorrow, just because it's like the nicest thing that I can think to do. And I mean, nice. just because for everyone all around and just like, just, it just seems of like course. Thing. people need they, it right now. And people need that's it. People true. are isolated. People are alienated. And uh-huh. I don't know how in every instance to be like, Hey, um, reach out to your fellow man. Like, but yeah, I mean, like, 
try and do it. I have definitely been, um, I've definitely been guilty of being like kind of a, a corrosive personality at times, but it, you know, it just comes at my, just, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I need to try to find a better way to conduct myself sometimes, but, uh, but it's just in, in terms of, in terms of, yeah, but I'm human. So like, I don't try, like I've been guilty of definitely, you know, spreading kind of like more or less like darkness before, but, uh, sure, and that's too. like something that, something that I don't want to do, you know, like, cause there's already, or there's already enough darkness and hardly any light. And I hope that, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's get very around a you Christmas tree. I don't care if the thing has any goddamn gosh darn presents under it. Uh, just I would just like to be a, like do a little tree worship, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the, the zeitgeist spirit. Let's do a little pagan Christmas tree worship. I'm happy. <laughs> that, you know, right on. <laughs> right on. And uh, I echo that sentiment because there's a lot of, uh, I used to post a lot of darkness, spread a lot of darkness at one point. And like the last couple of years, like I, I'll write these posts on Facebook that are really dark and scathing attacks on certain things. And then I'll delete them because I'm like, you know what? People generally know what I'm already talking about. Felt and, hate my delete later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. and in a sense that like, I'd rather be spreading positivity or at least enlightening information rather than something like, a visceral attack, a very black and white perspective of something. And going back to what you said a little bit about the, the dirt and the, the feet in the dirt kind of thing, my earliest yeah. notion of what conservative meant to me, just the, the word conservative and what I thought was basically what Republicans were, was preserving things from the past. That I always felt that there's this tug, there's this push and pull, right? that yeah. novelty is increasing with just new technologies, new ideas, new beliefs, but there's also this preserving aspect that wants uh -huh. to preserve the things that have been useful in the past that are important for our well-being or for the health of a community that should be yeah. preserved as we move forward and that shouldn't be lost because you know when you're radical or you're more revolutionary in temperament you tear you tend to want to tear down everything but there's Yeah, many I've been things... I've definitely been like iconoclastic in the past and I try and yes. be less like same, that same. these days and i think that's a very important element to life and that we shouldn't you know throw away the wisdom of the past just because it's old doesn't mean it's wrong well or, this is an enlightenment notion right yeah yeah absolutely yeah, essentially like we, we yeah. take what we i mean yeah literally essentially that isn't that is like the enlightenment notion par excellence right like <laughs> try and to try and preserve what is worthwhile about the past while maybe eschewing mm. other notions of like what was not good for others or what was harmful about it or I, whatever you know like sure. what's worth preserving versus keeping type stuff yeah 100 100 percent. and uh yeah essentially that's kind of how i see what we're we're facing is a strong base of people that want to preserve an older america and we're seeing the huge progressive movement and just such vast new ideas about how to run things i definitely think like you know people talk about secession you know time to time but they've shut that down in the past like there's been a couple instances where states have right. attempted to secede but like that, that hasn't worked but you know moving into the future we might see that because california a lot of times is like puts that notion out of secession please and please drop in the ocean. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah. yeah, I want everybody to be all right, but God, I could like California could be just like. I it's don't a know. shame because California was like 
just like the hotbed of the country, really, and in New York, yeah. is arguably as well. But like you know, there's still plenty of beautiful things coming out, came out of Texas and all, all oh, these yeah. other states. Oh but, man, I, I I have a lot of um, profound and good memories in Texas, in New York, and in California. So you know, yeah, yeah. you know, everyone's experience is different, but then eventually there is a there is a cultural shift that is noticeable. You know, and, yeah, uh, like uh, like New York has always been kind of it's been like a lot to take on you know and uh it's it's just interesting you can find your little like hovel of uh hermitry or whatever you can find or like various kinds of little cultures and and stuff and you know i've played some shows in new york i've went and known some beautiful people in new york and loved yeah and all kinds of different ways you know so yeah you know Manhattan was the, you know, the stuff of dreams. It's like, you know, you lived in the Bronx or the Harlem or something. If you're a musician, artist or something, and that's how you got noticed or you have, you know, you developed your talents and associated. With yeah, I remember we, my old band was touring through that area and uh, we were playing a show that was before us. There was a bunch of people like doing skateboards and photography and all this stuff. And then time came for the musicians and the whole you know, I'd never seen like seen a scene clear out and then like create another one. And then after we were done playing a show, it became like, uh, you know, it was kind of gross to me, but it started to become like an S&M thing. And I was like, ew, wow. how did this happen? <laughs> I was, like, there, there was a group of like S&M people that descended upon I was like, ooh, we're getting out of here. It was kind of weird, but wow, that's interesting. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you have like different, like the culture is, culture is just taking up all kinds of weird formulations and spaces and stuff. And um, sure yeah. sure yeah, yeah yeah anyways man uh i think i'm gonna we're gonna wrap this up now so i think we've gone for two hours in total now so yeah cool i think no, it's pretty a, solid a very fruitful and good conversation we should do oh more. man yeah dude this was awesome it was really great yeah i always i always and, enjoy talking to you and uh and it's always a good exchange of uh you know dialectical exchange for sure and what you said just not too long ago maybe like 10 minutes ago was like people are very isolated these days and i'm like you know what that's true and i'm really digging this whole podcast format because it allows people to kind of speak you know, where they didn't have yeah. a place to speak before. And yeah, my podcast barely has any viewers so far, but you know. Yeah, but like the when, when I do them and like people listen to it, like they love it though. Like like yeah. there's people that don't like it. And then there's like people that are like, man, when's the next episode coming out? Because dude, you're, you're, I would you know, love, are like, yeah, I've yet to get that because I never really went in on the podcast thing, you know, but now I'm trying. So we'll see how it goes, man. Well, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of competing podcast isms and things going on right now, but uh, that True. You know, I listen to and stuff and yeah, it's just taking a whole new, yeah. You just gotta, you gotta find your crowd. You know, if I find a little niche somewhere, you know, that's sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah and right now mine is a, uh, a niche of like D class A intellectuals that have been barred and calcified from uh, <laughs> <laughs> going any further in, in anything so it's just like oh yeah you know, gotcha. how, to, how to how to compose thyself and conduct thyself in a, in a wise way and true that true that geez, it's hard it's hard man it's real in, hard it's a hard in, thing indeed indeed all right man well it was awesome talking and uh yeah that best that wraps it up man thanks for coming on the show aaron i appreciate it Thank and, you for uh, having me. And I hope that I can, you know, like we can do it again because this is, uh, you know, I had a couple authentic, well, you know, authentic encounters are very important to me and, you know, having them is nice and I have them less and less these days. And it's just always, it's yeah. I, cher I, cher I cherish them, you know, I cherish them. I always Same. did and I always will. 
same same all so, right man yeah. yeah we'll have you on soon enough man and uh all, all right thanks everybody for listening uh, this wraps up uh, episode three of the branchy tree and uh have a great day everybody all right bye cheers cheers